Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Um, but you just guys got to know there's a little bit of a delay, so we're going to work through it. But we are in episode 151 of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. Tonight, we are talking about exposing the new age. The new age is something that is growing rapidly. It's massive. Uh, all three of my guests have radically come out of the new age. They have incredible testimonies, just powerful anointings on their life. And so I thought we'd all come together kind of share some of our experiences, just hang out, talk, share the word of God, and then discuss, you know, how we've how we've come out of these things. I had a scripture though when I was praying for you guys and thinking about our group here tonight, and I had Esther 414. And it says if you this is Mordecai speaking to Esther, and it says if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will come from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. And then Mordecai says something to Esther that I think is so relevant to all of us in the chat and all of us here on this broadcast is who knows, he says, perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. And this is really where I believe we're at. We're at a point now where God says, okay, Angela, Everett, Taylor, Isaiah, I have them in 2023 for a reason. God has raised you guys up. God has brought you out of darkness for a reason. God did not bring us out of darkness to sit in a pew. God did not bring us out of darkness for us to keep our mouth shut. God, God brought us out of darkness so that we can bring hope healing, wholeness, the good news, deliverance to others. And so tonight is a night of breakthrough. It's a night of freedom. It's a night of deliverance. We're going to be praying for many of you guys in the chat at the end. And we are believing that if one person, and I want everyone in the chat to hear me clearly, if one person comes out of the deception of the new age movement, everything we're doing tonight is worthless, is, is worthwhile. Nothing we've done tonight is worthless. If one person comes out of the new age movement. So I'm believing that. I wanna prophesy over someone in the chat that's just hurting, broken, lost. You don't even know why you're in the broadcast. You stumbled on this broadcast. There is hope for you. There is healing in the cross. There's deliverance in the cross. Every one of us on this screen, we're hurting and broken and lost at one point. And man, God has done a work in our life. And we've come tonight not to exalt ourselves. This is not about personalities. This is not about specific ministries. This is about the finished work of Jesus Christ what he did on the cross. And so I just want to start out by honoring and glorying, honoring and glorifying Christ, who is the one that's delivered us and set us free. He gets all the glory and all the praise. We're just simply here exposing what we've come out of, exposing the works of darkness. So welcome, guys. Everyone still feeling good? Yes. I'm good. No all right. Good. Awesome. No good. So let's start with what is the new age movement for all those that are new in the chat there's already a couple thousand people jumping on maybe they don't know what the new age movement is i know it's an umbrella term for a lot of things spiritual but i'd like to kind of hear your guys's uh, maybe a minute or two what do you think of when you think of the new age movement i'll start first i think of a movement that's trying to gain access to the supernatural by circumventing the cross by circumventing god basically i want the supernatural i want the destiny that God has for my life, but I don't want the Jesus to be my king. I don't want God to be my Lord. I don't want someone telling me what to do. So it's really a counterfeit way of accessing the supernatural realm. It's a circumventing God and saying, I don't need God. He could be maybe one of my other idols, but I can kind of access the spiritual realm through yoga, through meditation, through astral projection, through Buddhism, Hinduism, and all these other spirituality. Um, I, I see a lot of new agers wanting God. 
They want, they want destiny. They want purpose. They just don't know where to find him or where to look. They haven't seen it in the church. And so they turn over to the new age movement. Everett, why don't you tell me, like, what do you, what do you tell people? They say, what is the new age movement? What is it to you? To me, the new age movement is sort of a crafty deception because it blends a lot of modern ideologies where atheism and materialism don't really add up and someone starts to realize, man, there's something supernatural, there's something spiritual. And what it tries to do is it tries to give the answer by saying that the Bible, Christianity, the supernatural there, Jesus Christ is not actually God, but all the supernatural is real, the spiritual is real. And then it points people in the direction of the Eastern religions, the Eastern religious mindset of reaching enlightenment and even reincarnation. Realize there's a soul. They realize, okay, even though my physical body dies, where does my soul go? And it it always gives the answers of reincarnation, meditation, reaching enlightenment, finding the truth, and then tries to pair it with this scientific, like quantum physics understanding that we're energy beings, that the soul is actually proven, the non-visible light spectrum is actually there's more there than in the visible light spectrum and so the atheist or the materialist starts to realize or christian starts to realize oh okay some of the bible's true or okay mm. this is the supernatural true but jesus christ isn't the way jesus christ isn't god that's this kind of religious man-made worship a man and control humanity type dogma so it, it brings people this false freedom makes them feel like they're on the frontier of spiritual and scientific understanding inhumanity and really it's just repackaged eastern religions with kind of modern words that's that's kind of how i see it that's really really good what about you angela what do you think of when people say what is the new age movement so the the new age isn't new it started in um genesis 3 with with eve when the serpent Come told her on. that she too could be like god and know the things of god um because that's really what the new age embodies um it's this this narcissistic belief that you are basically the center of your own universe, that you are God, that you are one with the divine. And I always say that New Age is like Build-A-Bear religion because you sort of extract all these different pieces of, of all these world religions, including Christianity, just the parts that you like, you know, what's sin, not that. Um, wow. But just the parts that you like, and then you just construct this cuddly idol, you build a bear of God, and then that is your religion, and then what you operate from. And it's like the in the um, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, God refers to himself as I am. And so it's like an appropriation of that declaration of the Lord that he is I am, because New Age is all about the self. It's all about self-idolatry, self-godliness. I am divine. I am the universe. Wow. I am love. Um, and so it's just this massive deception. I've said since I've been saved that New Age is the embodiment of the scripture, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, where it reads that even Satan masquerades as an angel of light because yes. everything about the New Age presents itself as love and light, when in reality, it's just kind of Satan dressing up your chains to look like, you know, to, to just look like something glamorous. So it's, it's, a, so it's just a massive deception, but it presents itself as something that is going to heal you and give you this, it's like a self-savior complex of salvation rather that's than good. Jesus. And I think, I think that's one of the reasons why it's massively growing right now is everybody wants to better themselves and it packages itself as you can, you can better yourself. 
You can help yourself out. This is you transcending above other people and being a better person than you. Your old version's dead. But the thing is, Jesus says, deny yourself, right? The new age, mm -hmm. the new age world is you can be better. You, you, you. The gospel is I die to myself. I deny myself. I pick up my cross and I follow Jesus. Jesus is not another one of my idols or another one of my trinkets or another thing I pray and read about or rub on some necklace. Jesus is life. I lay everything down. It is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And I think the appeal of the new age movement is, well, it's not bad, which I'm skipping ahead here. We'll back up here, but it's not bad. There's nothing wrong with it. And there's some in the chat tonight that go, it's not demonic. It's, it's breath work that I'm doing. It's Reiki healing that I'm doing. It's tarot cards and angel boards. And I'm just doing, you know, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And we're going to talk about that later. But that is what you just said. The verse you use is the devil comes as an angel of light. He, you, he says, this is innocent. There's nothing wrong with it. And then people fall into that and then open themselves up to a whole bunch of demonic forces, a whole bunch of demonic spirits. They open the door. So the new age movement is crafting that way. Taylor, what about you? What do you think of when people say, what is the new age movement? How would you describe it? You know, Everett and Angela hit the nail on the head with everything. I don't have to explain any of that. The only thing I want to add on to is that when I think of new age, and if you ask me, you know, what would another definition be is witchcraft it's straight up witchcraft it's demonic mm. it's evil it's not just you know cute and i'm doing poses and i have my crystals and people who are in new age a lot of them would say i don't mess with witchcraft there's black magic i don't do that it is literally witchcraft you're channeling demons you're practicing sorcery you're putting magical supernatural power on things like crystals and tarot cards and tapestries that's the exact same thing of witchcraft. It's literally just a different name. You have control, manipulation, domination, um, and all of those aspects, which is the building blocks of witchcraft. They just have, like Angela said, they're packaged with love and light, but it is just as demonic as black magic, Santeria, voodoo. It's the same thing. It just comes in a cuter package. That's really good. And I also wanted to point out there's no such thing as a good demon. I know a lot of you will think, well, they're not bad beings. They're they're good spirits. Guys, this is a deception. There's no good demons. There's no demons that like you. There's no demons that love you. These demons are coming in your life to destroy your life. And ultimately, that's where a lot of, sadly, new agers end up. And then they end up finding God. They end up finding the cross. And so we're seeing in one side, I'm going to share some t statistics. We're seeing a growth of the New Age movement. On the other side, praise the Lord, we're seeing an exodus out of the New Age movement. So maybe you're here going like, I don't need to know about this, but you got to realize you do because you have friends and family that are getting sucked into this. You have friends and family that are getting involved in the New Age movement. So we need to not just close our eyes and put our head in the sand and say, well, I don't really care about the New Age movement. It doesn't affect me because not only is it seeping into churches, not only is it become accept, being, becoming accepted by pastors and leaders, Guys, all of you in the chat have friends and family that are getting involved in this and they're like, so what's wrong with manifesting your destiny? And you don't know what to tell them. What's wrong with transcendental meditation? What's wrong with astral projection? And we're just uneducated in the church when it comes to these topics. And so tonight we want to bring light on some of that. But let me just give a couple statistics and then we'll move to the next point here. The Pew Research, which if you don't know Pew Research, they do a lot of surveys and they're the biggest like survey and research group. Anyways, they did a study and they found 26% of Americans believe that spiritual power exists within mountains, trees, and crystals. 
25% of Americans believe in astrology. 24% of Americans believe in reincarnation. 23% of Americans believe that yoga is spiritual, not just a physical practice. And 15% of all Americans have consulted in some time of their life in, with a psychic or a fortune teller. Well, eight in 10 Christians say they believe in the God of the Bible. Six in 10 Christians believe there are more, one or more or four prominent New Age beliefs, including the beliefs of psychics, reincarnation, and astrology. And then it says, even though some of these can be easily identified as contrary to biblical truth, there are other beliefs within the New Age that have seeped into the church. A study in 2017 found that 27% of Americans call themselves religious, I'm sorry, call themselves spiritual, but not religious, and it's going up about 10% per every few years. Another survey found that 40% of Americans practice meditation at least once a week, which just so you guys know, they're not meditating on the word of God, they're meditating on the wrong things, making it a 10 turned it into a billion dollar industry. More than 60 million Americans regularly practice yoga, what the Hindu spiritual practice that involves stretching, contemplation, trance, and additional 31 million have at least tried yoga. Yoga, much like meditation, has ballooned into a 10 billion plus dollar industry. So this is not tonight some fringe thing that we're talking about. This is not tonight some corner of the wall. No one's dealing with it. This is a mass opening up to the demonic. Not only are we seeing People like Doja Cat trending now with her song Demons. Literally, the number one song of our generation is Demons. Not only are we seeing Taylor Swift putting people into mass trances and New Age riddled all throughout her music, we are seeing America and this country massively adopt New Age principles, massively adopt the New Age movement. And so if there's ever been a time, the verse I started with, now's the time to say something. Now is not the time, Esther, to be quiet. If you stay quiet, God will raise up another deliverer but perhaps we were born, guys, for such a time as this to expose the works of darkness and to just talk about how we've come out of this. So I want to talk about, you know, we'll take a couple minutes each. You guys all were involved in the New Age movement. I'm very interested on, you know, we'll go a couple minutes of how you got involved in the New Age and then how you came out of the New Age. And let's start with Everett. Everett, how did you get into it? And then how did you get out of it? I know it's hard to do in a couple minutes, but just give us a brief who you are and, and how you got involved in it. Yeah, so I never grew up with any knowledge of the Bible, didn't go to church, didn't have a Christian family. And then when I got into high school, I started to really wonder deeper questions in life. Uh, I first Googled something spiritual, like about the soul or about what happens when you die. And I got like Buddhism, some Buddhism website came up and I read about the Eightfold Path and I read about meditation and, and what they believed in reincarnation. I was like, wow, this is this is fascinating. And then I also got really into this class called uh, environmental science, AP environmental science, which literally had a United Nations textbook for our, for our textbook, which had all sorts of this antichrist, anti-human agenda. And I started literally believing that the earth is basically like a living, a living being and that humans are a cancer to the earth and we're destroying the earth and almost that humans are, are some lowly being. When, you know, the Bible clearly says that we have dominion over the earth, over the beasts, and we have that responsibility. But I developed that mindset, and it's actually a very New Age mindset because this Mother Gaia thing, this Mother Earth uh, worship is very popular. So I started to kind of reject the mainstream uh, Western kind of agenda of, you know, find a job, find a family, and, you know, start a family and just settle down and go through the motions of life. And I'm like, man, these monks who are meditating for, you know, months at a time in the wilderness and achieving this ability to like light things on fire with their hands and can go for 90 days without food and like these miracle, 
supernatural sounding stories. And I'm wondering like, no way this is fake. So I get very fascinated with the whole Eastern mysticism, start meditating, end up t smoking a lot of weed, which just compiles everything I was getting into, wow. which honestly led to yoga. Weed has a lot of origins back in ancient Hinduism. And I, I really believe that the spirits I let in through smoking weed every single day got me into this yoga wow. philosophies. So then go to college, I become a certified yoga instructor. And shortly after, as I'm taking psychedelics, as I'm wanting to learn from these psychics, wanting to get all these abilities, wanting to have a, a, a spirit guide who potentially is from the Pleiades galaxy, you know, and maybe my soul, I'm an old soul, people say, and maybe that literally means I'm millions of years old soul. And, and I, I start believing potentially this is real, wanting to grow in these abilities. And I start getting dreams that certain people have demons. And I'm starting to research this guy online, Bob Larson, who's casting out demons with a, with a cross. And I'm like, oh, that guy has some supernatural abilities. <laughs> and I start talking to other new age people who supposedly smoke DMT and cast demons out of people in the ritual and the ceremony. I had friends who would come over to my apartment. We'd smoke DMT. We'd blast this like tobacco hape, it's called, this Amazonian snuff up the nose before oh. the DMT for like, a, like a, to reach a deeper state of meditation and full-on entities would be contacted one of my friends literally experienced seeing this elephant being they said which looked exactly like the demon ganesha in Hin in hinduism this mm. person was very into yoga too crazy experiences like that i started realizing demons are real one time i end up realizing there's a demon attacking my friend and wanting to kill them they're having suicidal thoughts this thing needs to go and it ends up manifesting, literally smirking at me like, ah, ah. and I'm, I'm wondering like, and they're going back and forth like, whoa, Ev, what's happening? And then bam, and I'm, I'm trying to do what I saw in the video, Larson, and this thing's just smirking. Oh no, we lost you, we lost your, there you go, you're back. Say, Everett, say that again, we lost your volume for a minute. Repeat what you said, the demon was snarking at you. The demon was snarking at me, and everything I was trying to do, the person would come back and say, whoa, Ev, what's happening? And then bam, the demon would start to, to phase in and out. And I knew this, this, was, this was something real. My meditation skills, my light, my aura, my no fear, nothing was working. But honestly, there was something in the back of my mind saying, just say Jesus. And wow. I end up telling the person, you need to get a cross. You need to stop doing this, that, this, what I thought were the open doors. I couldn't cast the thing out. And... Right after this experience, I, I realized I need to know what this was. Was this literally a demon from some other dimension, wherever, speaking to me through this person? Like, is this an actual, wow. is this the reality of the world that we live in, that people can have demons like speaking through them like that, and I'm coming to this awareness, or did they have a bipolar disorder, a dissociative identity, something psychological? So I end up seeing an actual deliverance in person by Bob Larson, meeting with him one-on-one. And you're not one -on -one. You're not a Christian. You're just... You're just spectating. Just spectating. And the Lord had been doing interesting things that all added up to this event, but he thought he was just in a one-on-one -on -one appointment with someone who needs deliverance. And I start, he starts realizing that I'm not a Christian at all. Wow. And he just starts preaching to me the, the raw gospel that I'm a sinner and that I, you know, Jesus Christ lived a perfect sinless life. He died on the cross. You don't have any power over these demons unless you have the Holy Spirit Come dwelling on. inside you. It comes through faith in Christ. And I just immediately started to feel like I'm not some perfect 
uh, perfect being like, you know, you try to manifest your reality. Mm. So you start thinking you're perfect. You're thinking you're good. You're thinking you're loving. You're thinking you're all these, even you think you're some moral person when you're not. And I started realizing all this lust, all this greed, all this, uh, deceit in my heart. And I'm like, Whoa. And right then and there, I realized like, I, I, I feel a need for a savior. Come on. And I accepted Jesus oh, Christ man, right it. there. And bam, I just started weeping and wailing like everything I'd been seeking, all the healing, everything I'd been doing for years. It was like God was saying, I'm here. I've been with you. Like, and, and, and I forgive you of everything. And I love you. And it was just bam, so much healing occurred. And I knew the Lord had called me to, to preach his word and to to bring as many people as possible into a relationship with him, out of deception, into truth. And since that day, I just dedicated myself to reading the word, growing and Come understanding on. the truth. And my life has changed miraculously. It's been incredible. What a beautiful story. Angela, while he's sharing, I see you not only getting emotional, but you've been nodding your head the whole time. Is this testimony something that you can relate to in a similar way of some of the path that you were on to the new age. Tell us a little bit, Angela, about your story of getting involved in the new age and then eventually coming out of it. Yeah, Everett, I would have been so excited three years ago because <laughs> I would, would have, have been assumed that we were from like the same Pleiadian family. So <laughs> that made Star me laugh. Um, yeah, it's such a deception. Like just hear, just hearing everything. It's It's so funny because in new age, and just hearing you talk ever to your experience, it's like we will literally try everything before Jesus. We Come will literally on. subscribe to this for lack of a better word, nonsensical notion that we come from another galaxy before we accept that maybe what the Bible says is true. And so, you know, leading up to this podcast today, all day long, it's just and I'm getting I was getting emotional because I'm thinking about how I was telling you guys in the group chat, I'm just so sick of seeing the new age destroy Come on. the lives of people that like I love so much, um, seeing them spiral out, seeing them completely stagnant, just seeing them continue to just climb this, this ladder. But it's like one of those ladders at the gym where it just like stays in place, wow. like a stationary ladder and you just climb it to burn calories, but you're not actually getting anywhere. And that's exactly what I'm seeing all of them do. They're just not getting anywhere. They just keep doing the same things and then and then finding more of it because New Age is a domino effect. It's like, well, this little modality of healing didn't bring me the full enlightenment, which is the New Age term for salvation. Didn't bring me full enlightenment. So now I have to do this and then I have to do this and this and this and this. And, this. and it's always just like another thing. It's always another thing with the New Age. And so for me, my grandmom died in 2014. And I do have my full testimonies on Isaiah's channel already for anyone interested. Um, and I have my own podcast as well. But it's the, the long story short is my grandmom died in 2014. She was my best friend in the world. I did not have any context to Christianity. And so that being said, I was desperate to connect with her again because it was just the it was the most heartache I had ever experienced. And honestly, the most heartache I will ever experience because now nothing can be so bad because I have Jesus. Wow. Um, wow. And so when she died, I just started seeking out all of these, as I just said, all these healing modalities. And then one thing led to another, to another, to another. It was the medium. And then it was the tarot cards. And then it was the crystals. And then it was the yoga. And then it was astrology. And then it was the starseed thing that Everett just spoke to coming from another galaxy. It was all these things in astrology, which was really my niche. I actually ended up years later, I spent almost 10 years 
in this thing. Wow. And I ended up with my own podcast called Moon and Back, which was dedicated to astrology. I used to share bi-weekly moon report cycles. So if it was a new moon, it would be all the themes of that moon. And then the full moon, all the themes of that moon. And then in between those episodes, it would just be some new age theme about self-healing or about you know, this demonic Gnostic gospel that the new age tends to follow, or, you know, feminism is like the, the goddess within kind of thing, all these different topics. Um, and I was just honestly so depressed the whole time. Like what I really wanted to speak to tonight is how I was thinking in hindsight about my old self. If someone had sat down and told me, you know, you're compromising your eternity, Wow. It really wouldn't have meant anything to me because I didn't believe in that concept. I had spiritual blinders. I didn't understand that sin was real because in New Age, you're really taught that there is no such thing as sin. Mm. There's just shadows that you have to integrate, which, as we all know now, that's meaning, oh, you have to integrate demons. So wow. you think that there's no sin. You don't really believe in the concept of hell because... You tend to, not everyone, but you tend to believe in reincarnation. So it's always just this process. It's like a soul cycle when you're in new age of, oh, well, I just have to go through the karmic lesson in this life. And then in the next one, I'll come back and blah, blah, blah. And all of it is ultimately leading you towards, towards source, which is God, which is who you are internally. It's also a contradiction there because it's like you're always trying to achieve enlightenment while also saying that you yourself are divine. And that you are source, but you're always trying to reach source. So we can talk later about how the new age is just a paradox in and of itself. But for my own for my own story, I was just I was just seeking all that enlightenment. And um, yeah, I I was just I was just sold out to it. Um, but what I was saying about how I didn't believe in the concept of sin or eternity. If someone had told me, like we can sit here and tell these tell these folks all day long you know, you're going to hell and we should tell them that because it's true. But if someone sat down in front of me and really looked into my eyes and said, can I ask you something? Are you happy? Wow. Are you content? Wow. Are you satisfied? If I had been honest with myself, then the answer would have been no. And I know that everyone in new age, I know they go to bed and put their head on the pillow at night and that they feel depraved, but they don't have a word for it because they don't believe in depravity. I know that they go to bed at night and feel the weight of their sin, but they don't know what that that's what it is because they don't believe they're sinning. I know that they feel oppressed by demons, but they don't know that's what it is because wow. they think that it's just a, a process. It's all a process in the new age. It's just, you always have to integrate this and upgrade this and enhance that. It's always just a process. If you're going through a really bad time, it couldn't possibly be because you're being crushed by the weight of your sin in the absence of the Lord. No, it's always, well, you know, this is a part of the dark night of the soul where you have to reach these really low valleys in order to go to the mountaintop. And so... I want to just speak to those people like I know, yes, there are eternal consequences, but for anyone that's a new age, please take an honest inventory of your life right now yes. and ask yourself if you are happy, if you are satisfied, because I'm here to tell you that the peace that you're looking for can only come from the Lord. The peace that surpasses all understanding is found in Jesus alone. And I, I myself was really caught up in this idea of like my truth, my truth, my truth. There's only one truth and his name is Jesus Come Christ. On. 
and he becomes what is true about you. He's not just the truth. When you receive him, when you repent, when he's your savior, he, he becomes what's true about you. And like Isaiah said, you really die to yourself. Whereas new age is all about always being a better self, always reaching your higher self, as they call it. There is no higher self. There is no higher self. There is just sin. And then there is just absence of God, or there is, you have the Lord, you have the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going off on a tangent already, no, but my so story is 10 years of all of that, all these different things, nothing ever worked long term. I always say it was like a, a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound. It wow. would work, and then I would hit this extreme low. I would need something else. It would just, I always say it's a spiritual narcotic because it just keeps you addicted in this cycle coming back for more and more and more and more and more. Basically, Satan distracting you your entire life until you die so that he finally has you. Mm. Um, and so... It came to a moment where I was really at the end of myself. I was 27 years old. I had struggled with depression my entire life. After my grandmom died in 2014, it just like peaked. My depression peaked. And I had just been trying to work through it, integrating my shadows, all the things I was just speaking to in New Age. And I was on my kitchen floor honestly wanting to kill myself because I had done it all. I had, I had been doing all of the things. I had the yoga, the yoga ritual every morning. I had all the crystals that I was supposed to have for anxiety and depression and self-harm. I had, uh, I had the astrology to make sense of it all. I had all the quote answers, but I didn't have the solution. Come on. And so I was on my kitchen floor and I just, you know, because it says in, in the word that his law, because there are laws in the spirit realm, which we'll talk about later, his law is written on all of our hearts. And so when I look back in hindsight, I know that's what that was. You know, Psalms says that deep calls out to deep. And I was in that place of, of just depth where there was, there was no, there was no way out except wanting to die. And I called out to Jesus. I Come said, on. Jesus, save me. And overnight, it was like I was delivered from depression. And I, and I could really recognize that there was something tangible just about those three words, Jesus, save me. Those three words that I, that I finally actually grasped something that 10 years of self-healing could never give me. It mm. was just those three words. It was just calling out to the King of Kings, to Jesus Christ. And so from there, a couple months go by, I'm in this weird phase where I'm trying to like have one foot in Christianity and one foot in New Age, where I'm like, okay, I'll be a Christian astrologer sort of thing. And months pass by, I get really convicted as I'm reading Isaiah 47, where it talks about how the astrologers are, there's no one to save the astrologers. They're going to burn on. in their own fire. And when I read that, it was the first time I experienced godly sorrow and I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit just completely wash over me. And it was like, wow, I am a sinner. I need to repent. And now something I like to mention about my testimony is that my best friend that I grew up with, she was a Christian. She had been praying for me for years. Mm. And later on talking to her, she had been praying for my protection. So I want to say that there are things in New Age I could never quite get to. Like uh, I could never really astral project the way everyone else could. And like when I would, when I would trip on shrooms, I never really had the experience the people around me had. But I see now um, that she was praying for my protection. So whoever is watching this, if your friends and family are in Come New on. Age, you need to be praying for their protection. Yes, yes. 100%. And then so I got saved. 
I, I started my own podcast, Heaven and Healing, because I, I am so in love with Jesus. And everyone needs to know that he's the truth. Everyone needs to know that he is the only way. He is it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just a miracle what he's done in my life. You know, I want to mention we don't come to Jesus because of what he can do for us. We come to him because of who he is. Mm. But that said, he, he completely transformed my life. You know, two years ago, I was engaged and I didn't even know if I wanted to be married. Now, fast forward to today, I am married to that same man who Jesus also radically saved, Come made on. an agnostic, a repentant believer. We are both living in the state that we've dreamt about living for years. And now I'm 20 weeks expecting a baby girl. And so Come it's on. just, this is what Jesus does. Yay, it, what you know, a he's, story. He's a redeemer. Incredible. That's so incredible. I just, it blows my mind, Angela, to see you right here preaching the word of God, preaching the gospel when just a couple years ago, that's why I love the clip that I played in our podcast I did with you where you said, I'm done with yoga. I, that's one of my favorite clips of all time because you're you're like in a, in a real way going from your, what is it, moon and back podcast and then you get on your podcast and your astrology podcast and go, I'm done with yoga. I'm done with new age. I'm done with Reiki. I'm done with astrology. And just to see the the transition from that a couple years ago to now you on here, there's thousands of people watching. You're preaching the gospel boldly. God has given you a, a husband and a, fa a baby on the way. And you're just, you know, you have that, that joy and that peace and that life that you search so long for. And that you just summed up the new age movement. It's the search for something you, know, you can only find in Christ. And you'll keep searching in, under every crystal and every spirit guide and every mountaintop and every shroom. And you're never going to find the void that only Jesus can fill. Only Jesus can fill. You're not going to find anything else. It's like, should we look for the, should we, are you the one or should we look for someone else? And Jesus is like, go tell John, basically I'm the one. The search is over. We, the, the new age search is over. And there's someone in the chat that said, I just got rid of my new age website and left my coven of 14 years. Why? Because people are finding Christ. People are hearing this. And what you just said to that girl or the person in the chat is what you needed to hear. You wish someone told you. So you're literally doing what you needed now. And it's incredible to see. Taylor, you also have such an incredible testimony. What I love about yours, Taylor, is you didn't even really know it was bad. You were like, I was just doing stuff and I thought it was innocent. And so with Angela and Everett, they were fully engulfed in the new age movement, fully involved. And you were like dabbling in it still calling yourself a Christian, but doing it. Why don't you share for a couple minutes uh, what happened with you, Taylor? Yeah, I was one of those Christians in the statistic that you read that was just going to church and literally practicing new age and didn't even realize that it was bad. Um, part of my story is I was raised and I grew up in a Christian home, but didn't really know anything about demons, deliverance, or astrology. I knew that witchcraft and Ouija boards, all of those things were demonic because they're so in your face. And my mom would say, oh, stay away from that. We're not doing that. No, no, no. And when I was 16, my dad came home one day with an astrology book and he was showing it to me and he was so mind blown and just fascinated by this book. He was flipping through the pages and telling me all these things about my personality and they were true. Um, and I was like, wow, how is this real? It's, it's reading me like a book. How does it know all of this? And my dad, before he got saved, he grew up like in Islam and just, not, they weren't very uh, strict with it, but it was just all of these ideologies and religions and false beliefs kind of 
just floating through that side of my family. And so he was like, well, I think it's just the way that God created order in the universe and God created astrology in the planet. And to a 16 year old mind, that sounds true, you know, like, okay, sure. And so I became a Christian astrologer. Of course, there's no such thing. (laughs) And for about six years, astrology became my worldview. It was my lens. And then the Bible after that, because I didn't even know that it was wrong. Um, And kind of like Angela said, that was my niche as well. And when I graduated high school, um, just some doors started opening. I'm a Christian artist. I live in Nashville and some music opportunities started happening. And I was like, wow, God is, you know, just setting everything up into place. I was so happy. I was idolizing the gifts and I wasn't really worshiping Jesus. And I already had one foot in the church and one foot in witchcraft. Um, And so everything kind of fell apart. And I got angry at my parents. I got angry at God. I got angry at everyone who I thought just shut these doors for me. Um, And so I just adopted this rebellious attitude towards the Lord. And we know in 1 Samuel, it says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And so that witchcraft in my life opened the door right up for rebellion when I felt disappointed. And those two spirits started really ruling my life. And around that time I started college. Well, the enemy brought all of these friends to me who were partying and drinking and smoking weed doing every single weekend. And I had been in the church great church on fire, solid teaching, just didn't really know much about the demonic, the new age and all of that. And so I had been protected, even though I was still living in sin, kind of like you said, um, I didn't party, I didn't drink, I didn't do any of that stuff in high school. And then college, it was that rebellion, that stubbornness, that defiance. And I, and I literally said in my twisted mind, I'm going to party, I'm going to get drunk every weekend, and I'm going to live rebelliously to spite my parents and to spite God. Like I was wow. that angry at God. Yeah, it was it was twisted. And so I started partying, drinking, going out, living total rebellion. And it opened the door for depression, death, suicidal thoughts, all of these demons into my life. Um, And it just kind of grew and grew and grew. And I thought I was having so much fun and partying. And then I just kind of woke up one morning and the weight of that, just the enemy pulled the rug out from underneath me. And I was just in over my head and I would cry for hours every day um, and I was so empty and backslidden and all of these things I had really rocky unstable relationships and when my relationships with guys would go sour I would spiral again and then I would smoke weed and then I and then I started getting into crystals and yoga I started diving deeper into it because I felt so empty And I had pushed God away. And so I had to DIY my own spirituality because I felt like God hated me. But the devil was just whispering that. And I just feel like there's so many people who are watching who you feel rejected by God. Maybe your church hurt. Maybe, you know, a pastor, somebody said something to you, it offended you and you feel like, well, God hates me. So I, I'm going to do witchcraft or I'm the church didn't care about me. And so I'm going to go do tarot cards and I'm going to go get a psychic reading because I don't know how to hear God's voice or we we the devil will literally lie to us and tell you that God hates you and doesn't want you go figure it out on your own. And that is a lie from the enemy. And all this time, Jesus was chasing me down. He was wooing my heart. And I would feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit and I would want to go read my Bible and then I would go read my Bible and I would feel better and then something would happen in my relationships and then I would go and I would drink because I was in so much pain and heartbreak. And so I was in that cycle for a few months and finally I heard a woman of God preaching a sermon about giving 
everything to the Lord, laying it all down. And I was so tired of the toxic cycles of searching and drinking and partying. And then, oh, I'm sorry, God, heal me, fix me. Just all this lukewarm, toxic, demonic cycles in my life. And I decided to give everything to the Lord. And after that, kind of like Everett said, I just dove into studying the word of God. I dove into serving. I dove into um, just soaking in like a sponge as much of the Bible and solid teaching and during that time, I, I decided to give everything give everything to the Lord. I started going through deliverances and deliverances, and God would bring people into my life to pray over me and cast out the anxiety, the depression, the death, the heaviness. And I would get, I mean, it was amazing just being free after being in bondage for so long. So and good. so started preaching deliverance, learning how to cast out demons because I wanted other people to experience what God did for me. And so I was like, I have to learn how to cast demons out for myself, for my family, for other people. And, you know, after that, just started sharing my testimony online on TikTok, on Instagram, and the videos just started going viral. And here we are. What an amazing testimony. I love what you said, Taylor, about the deliverance portion. I know all four of us here have had our own deliverance experiences. I don't think we have time to all go into all of our stories of how we went through deliverance. But I do want to talk about quickly the deliverance component to people that come out of the new age movement it seems to be there's two two types there's one type that comes out of the new age and they they run as far as they can from the supernatural portion of god right the deliverance the words of knowledge the prophecy which we know is all throughout the scripture but they just go hard the opposite way they don't want nothing to do with the supernatural they don't want nothing to do with the spiritual any longer they just want just the bible and just go to church no supernatural nothing don't be praying for me i don't want to pray for nobody then you have those that come out of the new age that get deliverance, that get freedom, and they're passionate about sharing it with others. I want to just set the baseline for when we say deliverance, we're talking about the biblical way that Jesus cast out demons. You can call it deliverance. You can call it exorcism. Here's the bottom line, guys. Everywhere Jesus went, this is not subjective that's objective, he cast out demons. Jesus started Mark 1, his ministry, casting out demons. Mark 1, 39, he went from synagogue to synagogue, casting out demons. We're going to see Mark 1, Mark 5, Mark 3, Mark 9, um, Luke 13, Acts 16. All throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus casting out demons. This was part of his ministry. The disciples carried on the ministry. It's 100% biblical. Jesus calls it a miracle. So I'm just curious why, why are people coming out of the new age? They so badly, let's be honest, need deliverance. Like if you are in the new age, very simple. You op you're opening yourselves up to unclean spirits. Ephesians 6, our battle is against persons without bodies. Okay, principalities, powers, rulers, dominions. Paul makes it clear. We are fighting a spiritual battle. So we know we're fighting spirits. So if you're opening yourself up to all of these spirits in the New Age movement, and I'm talking to every one of you in the chat that have been involved in the New Age movement or have friends or family, you're opening yourselves up to all of these unclean spirits. You are, by your own volition and free will, inviting them into you. You get saved. Why is it now that you think, oh, I don't need to get them out of me. I don't need to get rid of them. We know the disciples did this. We know the gospels has happened. I know all of you have been exposed to some type of deliverance in your own way. You all, you know, are involved in deliverance. And I hate that. I hate that deliverance is even called a ministry now where it's like, you're a deliverance minister. I, I hate that label. I get what they're saying and I'm fine with it, but it's not a deliverance minister. It's I'm a second Corinthians chapter five ambassador of Christ. Like I don't look at myself as an, as a deliverance minister. I look at myself as a disciple. I look at myself as what Paul would call us an ambassador of Christ. I look at myself as a follower of Jesus. And I, I just read the Bible and go, okay, Jesus cast out demons everywhere he went. 
Matthew 10, he called the disciples to do it. Luke 10, he called the 72 to do it. Mark 16, we all believers should do it. And then we see it in the book of Acts. Like, in my mind, guys, am I missing something? I'm like, I just think we all should do this. It's It just looks like if you're a follower of Jesus, wouldn't you want people to be free? Wouldn't you want to cast out? Yeah. And I don't care if it's, well, Christians yeah. can't, believers. It doesn't matter to me. If you have a demon, let's get it out. Let's not argue about, yeah. let's not try to be the judge of your salvation and say, well, you must not be a Christian if you have a demon. Or you might be if you, who cares about all that? If a demon's there and I'm a, I'm a representative of Christ. Like, that's what the Bible says I am. Paul says, you're a soldier to Timothy. Uh, what soldier doesn't fight? Then I'm going to do what I've been called to do and represent Christ. So I want to ask you, Everett, and then you guys can jump in here as well. What is the deal with so many New Agers being so afraid of something so beautiful as deliverance? Like, what are your thoughts on this, Everett? I think it's... It's a number of things. First being the experience with the supernatural becomes very traumatizing when you come out of the mm. new age and you start to, when you realize that the spirit guides, the, the psychedelic experiences, the, the times that you were in the spiritual realm were demonic, were evil in nature, were, you know, negative. Then when you start to come in the word of God and understanding the word of God, it's like, there's such a peace in knowing the word of God. There's such a peace in knowing the truth of the Bible that it's almost like, hey, I've got that. I'm good. Mm. You know, I don't want to venture into any other experiential, spiritual, because all I know is negative. Now, reading about it, Jesus did it. Wow, glory to God, glory to the disciples. You know, wow, that's incredible. But I'm going to stay in the Logos word of God and know this Bible instead of them venturing into the rhema, you know, the spoken word where he still speaks to us. And that's when that kind of cessationist ideology begins to take root. And, and they just, I think, become kind of comfortable just in that place and don't want to venture into deliverance, uh, prophetic, spiritual gifts, healing, divine healing, uh, all sorts of supernatural things that occurred in the Bible. And I can tell you, when I got deliverance after I was saved, I knew I needed to go to a deliverance minister, somebody who knew Come about on. deliverance. Because when I would go to church, every Sunday I'd go to a new church, finding, all I was told was try and find a full gospel church. That's like all I knew. I didn't know any other Christians. One person told me that right after I was saved, so I'm going to church every single Sunday. And I asked the pastor every time after the sermon, like, hey, do you guys, uh, believe in deliverance or exorcism or casting out evil spirits and i would just try and see like did they believe that <laughs> like, like, no. like you know because i'm reading the bible every single day i'm reading the the gospels and i'm like clearly this is yeah. all throughout scripture a third of jesus's ministry in the synoptic gospels was casting out demons like i'm starting to really you know wonder why are all these pastors kind of seeing me as some weird guy or some weird fellow and trying to beat around the bush when they talk about it and they give me an answer. And so I had to search out people who are deliverance minister. And when I was getting delivered and and what I was experiencing in that moment was the same experience, this like energy going through my body that I had on 10 tabs of acid at a rave. And mm. I knew, like in that moment, it felt like the exact memory. It was on 420 Red Rocks Amphitheater in Colorado, went to a rave and I saw a dubstep concert. I, all I wanted to take was a half tab just to kind of have a buzz of, of LSD. And I get the tab and my friend 10 minutes later says, whoa, dude, my bad, but that was a DECA dose. Basically, that was like a 10X, 20X. He's not sure. 
I'm like, oh my gosh. And I had a, a, a crazy experience. Praise God, I'm still in a, you know, a coherent mental state. But the same like energy I was feeling during that was the same thing I was feeling when I was getting a demon cast out of me. Because wow. this demon, and I was getting literally visions. I was overlooking earth and these like gold emblems appeared of people's soul ranking. And people were ranking up in their soul's evolution, basically. It's all occult doctrine. And yep. that all I was was actually this vibration, a tuning fork. And I was trying to go deeper into the recesses of my own soul to realize my true existence as just a vibration. There was an energy going through my body, the same thing I was feeling when I got delivered. Demonic. And so when I went through deliverance, and because I, I was going through spiritual warfare, I had attacks at night. I'd wake up with extreme headaches, extreme jaw pain. Like I was clenching at night and I would try and fast. I'd read the word. I was just pushing and fighting because I knew I had entered, allowed all these spirits into my life. But the Holy Spirit began to allow me to to see where they entered, when things started to go that direction and, and began to really unravel the knot that Satan had developed with my Come identity. Because these demons speak into your life as, as if like, this yes. is who you are, this is what you're meant to do. They try and guide your future. But the Holy Spirit began to unravel that and I started to realize, wow, like my true identity became, be, began to come forth. And I realized, wow, this is who I was as a kid. This is who I was all the way up until high school and then boom that event caused this and and it's just really saddens me that people who are coming out of that who are coming out of that bondage that there's this thing in the church that's like anti-deliverance or yeah. anti-exorcism or anti-casting out of demons and it's really preventing a lot of people who come yes. from, from pretty crazy scary pasts from getting full freedom in Christ. Just because you grew up in the church, just because you've never had any demonic experiences like somebody on 10 tabs of acid or on ayahuasca and a demon coming into them and all this stuff, just because you might not fully understand it or see the need for deliverance doesn't mean that what you read in the Bible is somehow untrue or unapplicable. Because in the Bible, they were casting out demons out of people who worshiped spirits. They worshiped mm. the gods, the Romans, the Greeks. They worship all these different gods. When you're worshiping these spirit guides, when you're having these archangels, when you're trying to gain, you know, channel an entity, the need for deliverance is there for people who come into church. They come to Christ. They need to get delivered just as Jesus said. Like you said, Isaiah, Mark 16, in my name you shall cast out demons. Come on. You shall heal the sick. Like It's a command for his disciples. We're disciples of Jesus, and we should be open to, to researching and understanding this part of the word of God so we can minister in this way and help. Oh, we lost your audio at the end. Yes, absolutely. I agree with you 100% Everett. I, I look at people and I'm, I'm going to be try to be nice here, even though it's my podcast, so I can be as mean as I want. And they, they hate deliverance, pastors, leaders, preachers. Yeah. And I just, I, I, I'm just going to be honest in front of everybody. I sometimes scratch my head and go like, whose side are you on? Like, why do you hate the idea that a believer through the authority of Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, would cast a demon out. Isn't that such a beautiful thing? And, and it, it makes me reflect on the story where the disciples came to Jesus. Long story short, they said, Jesus, there's a group of dudes over there. They're casting out demons. They're not part of our group. They're not, we don't even know these guys. We didn't train them. And then Jesus responds, and they say, should we stop them from casting out demons? And then this is Jesus' response. He says, don't stop them. This is the answer. Don't stop them. Then he says, Nobody that does miracles in my name will speak bad of me. 
So he calls deliverance or exorcism, because I know they're like, well, deliverance isn't in the Bible. Exorcism, casting out of demons, label it whatever you want. He relates it to, this is a miracle. This is a miracle of God. God gets the glory. It's beautiful. People get set free. So when you come against, not my ministry, not our ministry, because it's not our ministry. We didn't start casting out demons. We have no power. None of us can cast out a demon in our own name. We come in Jesus' name and his authority, his power, as a representative of him. When you come against it, again, not our ministry, I'm kind of like, it's a little sus. Whose side are you on? Are you playing for our yeah. team? Are you a yeah. soldier in God's army? Because a lot of you out here, you're wearing our jersey, but you're scoring in the other team's basket. And I'm going like, yeah. why are you running the ball down the wrong side of the field? Why are you scoring like baskets for the devil by preaching against the need for deliverance. I, I've never looked at it negatively. I just go, man, this is beautiful. I love to see. Now, are there abuses? Of course, there's abuses in everything. We Guys, we all come against the abuses. I've done three, four-hour podcasts. You guys have seen me do this saying, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't mock people. Don't make fun of people. Don't push people over. Don't, don't physically, you know, all these things we say of like, some abuses we've seen in deliverance, but it's like anything. You don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just because there's abuses, we don't say it's all wrong. There's abuses in every area of society, every sect of Christianity. But hey, I look at the Bible and go, Jesus did it. We need it. And how much more do we need it in the New Age movement? Um, Angela, what are some of your thoughts? I know you're newer into going through deliverance and being involved. You shared this on your podcast a little bit. But give us a, a couple minutes of your thoughts of deliverance in relation to the New Age movement. Yeah, um, so I, I see two extremes, um, and I, Proverbs talks about not going too far left or going too far right, but staying in the middle road, which is, you know, the foreshadowing for Jesus's whole um, sermon on the narrow road. And ever it spoke to what my experience was when I came out of New Age, I was traumatized by the supernatural and I didn't trust myself. But what it was is that I didn't you know, I knew Jesus, but I didn't have intimacy with him yet. So I didn't really mm. trust the Holy Spirit that he gave me, that the Bible says he put inside of me when I received him, when I repented, when I understood the cross, when I understood that he is Lord, when I confessed that he is Lord. And so I just, I was that person. It was like the Logos. I was fine with it. I was, I was content with it because it felt safe to me. Um, and so there's that extreme of just like completely denying the supernatural and denying that anyone could possibly have any authority in Jesus name. It's almost like blasphemy within wow. that mindset. Like, like, how dare you say that, you know, the Holy Spirit has given you this authority, but it's not me that's saying that it's the Bible that says that. And then there's the other extreme, um, which I've er also heard testimonies of, of new agers that they will they will maybe have a revelation of Christ and then they'll get like straight into like the charismatic movement. I just what I don't know what else to call it. Um, but I, what I see as the error with that is that there may not actually be true repentance. There may not actually be the transformation, how the, the word says that you become a new creation. So I think that what can happen there and why people end up getting really hurt from this extreme end is that they're not actually a new creation. They're just doing the things that they were doing, but using Jesus' name now. Mm. Um, and so I think that those are like the two extremes. It's like someone will come out of the new age and be genuinely repentant as I was and just completely like blinders 
to anything supernatural. And then there's the other extreme where people have a revelation of Jesus, but maybe they're not fully repentant and they just want the power, but they don't want the, they don't want the, um, the kind of humility that we all know comes with surrendering to a savior. Um, and so what I've found as the, as the biblical narrow road with this is that the Bible is not just descriptive, it's prescriptive too. Yes. And so, yeah, you know, I, I you know, a lot of like the, the criticism that, that I get and that I know y'all get is that it's like the cross isn't enough for you. The cross isn't enough for you, but it's not that it's that. Jesus's words, he says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And so I really see that if you're not walking in that, in that yoke of a light burden, if you still have heavy burdens, then it's That's because good. your yoke is not just with Jesus. There's something else that you're still yoked to. Mm. And that was my experience the first, the first year of my walk, but it was always like, almost like this inverted pride where it's like, well, I have to suffer for Christ. I have to suffer for Christ. And it's funny because a lot of people will say, you know, oh, this whole idea of deliverance, like you're, it's new age now, but actually this inverted pride of like, I have to suffer with Christ. I have to suffer with Christ. I have to suffer. I have to be depressed. I have to be anxious. I have to be addicted. Wow. I have to do this. That's new age because that's exactly what we did in new age. It was always the process. It was always the shadow work. It was always integrating the experience. It was always integrating the darkness. And that's what I hear. And that's what I used to say. And it's no judgment. It's just observation. That's that's what they're saying is that it's just you have to suffer. Even though in context, in the scriptures, whenever it's talking about suffering, it's always within the context of being persecuted. Yes. So now all that being said, you know, I... I see it as, you know, you don't get a, you don't get a demon cast out of you and are automatically going to heaven because I did have experiences like Everett said in when I was doing Reiki, when I was doing yoga where the demon would manifest and maybe it would leave or you know, but then it would come back with seven more because there was no holy spirit there. Maybe it would leave or whatever. Maybe it was cast out by by something or someone just just on its own accord maybe it just left, whatever. Um and so you don't just get, you don't get saved by having a demon cast out of you. You get saved by actually repenting and becoming a new yes. creation in Christ. Um, but even though, you know, you're a new creation, you're still in this body. And so things that you opened this body up to before your salvation, that, like I said, that yoke can still be there. And so you just need to, you need to come out of agreement with it. Like you need to, you need to just completely cast it out. And so I did have, I mean, my most prominent deliverance experience was with marijuana because that is something that I struggled with the first year of my walk. And it was always this like back and forth thing with me in, in my head where it's like, oh, well, you know, God made plants. God, it's totally fine. Like I just do it at night. It's like, it's not technically a sin. So it's okay. Like I would always try and justify it. But then there would be times where I would feel that because the Holy Spirit lives in me, the conviction would be so strong because anytime I smoked, it would quench the spirit. And it, the conviction would be so small, strong. I would literally throw it away. And then by the end of the night, I'm like in my trash can picking it out. Wow. Um, and that's that's the yoke. It was the agreement. It was that spirit of the, 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 the weed demon, for lack of a better word. It was like the weed demon. It was the spirit behind that that was um, having me pick out tr the, the weed out of the trash can wow. just so I could pack a bowl with it or like always scraping if I was out of it because I would I tried not to buy more like scraping the resin off because I'm just desperate for a hit. My most prominent deliverance was 
having that cast out of me and literally never even, it Come wasn't on. a thorn in my flesh anymore. It was literally the desire was not there and it hasn't been there. There's nothing uh, like there's nothing to me that's even Come tempting on. about the idea of smoking a joint anymore. And so that for me, that was my most prominent experience. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's it's like the gospel is is prescriptive, not just descriptive. And I do see, you know, it's almost like a, a formula, like the way the gospels are laid out. It's like Jesus was was healing. Jesus was casting out demons. Jesus was doing all these things. And then it gets into Paul, where he always talks about mind renewal. And so I think it's it's also dangerous when people are, are like deliverance junkies, but yeah. then they're not having dis discipleship. Like they're not renewing their mind with the word of God, which is what we're instructed to do. And then that's how we really, that's how we really, really come into the full agreement of what Jesus says about us, because everything in the spirit realm is contingent on our faith. Jesus says every time he heals someone, every time he casts out a demon, he doesn't say, yes, I'm the son of God. You're welcome. He says, your faith has made you whole. And so, you know, having that faith in Christ, in who he is, it's not that like you're getting delivered in, like you said on my show, Isaiah, in spite of the cross, it's because of the cross, yes. because of that faith, because your faith has made you whole. And so from there, then, yeah, you got to be, you know, deliver. I think it's Vlad that always says that delivered, then discipled. You got to be discipled with the word of God. And I think that's another, like a lot of people have a lot of bad things to say about deliverance. And I think it's because they don't necessarily see that in a way, you know, I, I've said this before on a recent episode that I did. A lot of people will say like a Christian can't have a demon, can't, 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 can't. And it's not that we can't, you know, we can do whatever we want. We can still sin. Yep. So we, we can have, we can, we can have cancer, you know, like we can have things, yep. but we shouldn't. Like right. we don't have a, we don't have a, we don't, we have no reason to have a demon as a Christian. Come on. So I think that's where their discernment is going off. But it's like, again, how I started this whole tangent with like the, the, the extreme right and the extreme left that Proverbs talks about. It's like coming to that biblical narrow road middle ground in that understanding. So that's kind that's of where really I stand good. with everything and right I, now, I think just it's based on scripture. Yeah, I think it's important to note too, is that deliverance is not like a substitute for salvation or the cross. We're not like, right. I want to get delivered, but I don't want Jesus. And I talk to people that they come from deliverance and deliverance and they want more deliverance. And I'll, I'll just blatantly ask them, okay, you've been through multiple deliverances. Do you read your Bible? Do you pray? Have you repented of your sin? Do you? And it's like, no, I don't do any of those. I don't pray. I don't read. I don't fast. There's no discipline. There's no narrow road. There's no holiness in my life. And they think deliverance is a quick fix when in reality, it's not a quick fix. You know, in Matthew 8, it talks about how basically Jesus cast out demons and healed the sick to fulfill the prophecy that he is the Messiah, that the cross is enough. And so I see deliverance as a, biblically a provision of the cross. If you go to your favorite coffee shop, let's say Dutch Brothers, right? And you say, and you buy three coffees and they hand you one of them, you're not going to walk out. You're going to say, I paid for three I'm going to wait until I get the other two. And if Jesus, according to Matthew 8, paid for salvation, which is we're saved, deliverance, which is casting out demons and healing the sick, those are the three main things, why are we just settling for one? Why are we like, I'm okay. cool with just the salvation when he paid for? Like, guys, he paid for at the cross the power over Satan. He drove out demons. Mm. This is a provision of the cross. So he already paid the price for it. We can't earn it. We can't make it happen. But it's not a substitute for a life of prayer, a life of discipleship, a life of fasting, a life of holiness, turning away from our sin. And absolutely, once you're 
man, you're serving God. You, you should not be opening the doors. But if you do open the doors and you do let something in, I always say grace is not for when you sin. Grace is for if you sin. I'm not sitting here like, well, whenever I sin, like I'm not planning my sin, but if I do, there's grace for me there. Like an eraser on a pencil is not there so you purposely make mistakes. An eraser is there in case you make mistakes. Nobody's purposely making mistakes just to use the eraser. Grace is that eraser. Mm. Deliverance is that, hey, you messed up, there's a door. And, and for all of us, I think we'd agree, at least in my opinion, maybe we wouldn't all agree on this. The majority of deliverances I do on Christians are Christians that open the door before they were saved. Most of the deliverance I do, they open the door before they were saved, and there's a demon there, they got saved. 100% the Bible does not say, once you get saved, every demon leaves you instantly. The Bible doesn't teach that. The disciples didn't teach that. We know Philip in Acts 8 didn't do that. So there is a, por- a part where, yes, you can get saved, fill the Holy Spirit, but there's stuff in your soul, in your flesh, from your past, that still needs to be commanded out. And a lot of people are finding this out, Angela, just like you, because they're like, no, I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm changed. But there's this thing in me that keeps drawing me back to the trash can to pick the marijuana out. There's this thing in me drawing me back to that relationship, that website. And I'm just, oh, I don't want this. Like there's this thing drawing me back to alcohol and it's, it's giving me desires. And what is this in me? What is this thing, this, this spirit in me, this personality? I don't want this. And that's where sometimes, let's be clear. I'm glad you even said about balance. Sometimes it's an unclean spirit. So if it's, if we go in for deliverance, which is just prayer, okay? Deliverance is just, we're praying for you. It's nothing like, oh, we're going to put you upside down and put, we're going to put sage on you. There's no incantation. We're just going to pray for you. If nothing manifests surfaces or nothing's there, then, hey, Let's, pr- let's get into some fasting. Let's pray. Maybe it's just your flesh. Maybe you're just being tempted and enticed by your own sinful desires, which is what the Bible says. It's not always a demon, and none of us teach that. That's a straw man to say, you guys think everything's a demon. It's a straw man to say, all you guys focus on is the devil. No, and here's the deal. If you guys out there that keep criticizing us would start talking about it, we could stop talking about it. The only reason why we have to do so much deliverance ministry is because the church is not doing it. So there's a lot of work to be done, but at the end of the day, man, it's faith in Jesus. It's the power of the cross. Uh, Taylor, do you want to add anything quickly to that? I know we we kind of went on the deliverance thing. Yeah, yeah, I'll add something really quick. This is something that God has been showing me as I've been asking him this question because I keep seeing it everywhere. The people who leave the new age and then they go into cessationism, the Lord actually showed me it's because the Python spirit hasn't been cast out. So the Python spirit, when you go to Acts 16, 16, there's a woman badgering Paul. She says she has a spirit of Python, a spirit of divination. So fortune telling, palm reading, astrology, anything telling the future that can open the door for a spirit of Python to enter. And so a python is like a constrictor. It wraps around you. It's a demon and it will squeeze out the breath and the life out of you. And the Holy Spirit is the Ruach HaKodesh. He's the breath. And so because that python spirit of divination doesn't get cast out, when they become a Christian, it squeezes the Holy Mm. Spirit out. And so that spirit stays in them and it doesn't want them to go to a spirit-filled church. It doesn't want them to be spending time in a secret place or it hates deliverance because it doesn't want to get cast out. And so Mm. if you really hate deliverance or if you know someone that's an ex-New Ager that really hates deliverance, I believe most of the time it's probably going to be that Python spirit that 
has been sticking around and now it just has a new strategy. That's really good. I had a friend that had a pastor friend over. So my good friend, who's a pastor, had another pastor friend over and he's like, yeah, they were talking about me. And he's like, yeah, I don't really like Isaiah because he teaches, you know, Christians could have demons and does deliverance. My friend was like, oh, okay, whatever. And this is one of my, my, my best friends. And then he said, yeah, but you know what? So then like a couple minutes go by and then the pastor starts saying, man, I'm really struggling with this and this, like going on all of his struggles. And my buddy was like, dude, can, can we go pray? Let's go in the back room and let's just pray. And, and then the pastor's like, all right, I'm down. They go to the back room. Mind you, this guy 10 minutes ago just said, I don't like Isaiah because he believes Christians could have demons and preaches about that. That's the reason why he doesn't like me. They go to the back room and you guys probably know what happened. The guy full on starts, my friend starts saying, no, I command every spirit that's this, every spirit, my, the dude full on, pastor, manifesting a demon, screaming on the top of his lungs at my friend's house. And my, my friend brought him through a full deliverance. They get done and the guy, so he says like, okay, you just went through like an hour something of deliverance and you're a pastor and you hate Isaiah because he teaches that. Like, what do you think now? And the guy was just like, I cannot believe I've been not only just slandering Isaiah, but talking bad, saying stuff because he believed in that. And I had a demon the whole time. My point is like, don't get mad, get delivered. Don't get angry, get free. It's like, this is in the Bible. Not everything's a demon. It's not a substitute for the cross. We 100% preach the blood, the resurrection, um, the death of Jesus, the burial. We believe in all of it. We preach it. I do literally verse by verse. Like I scratch my head when they say, he only talks about deliverance. I'm like, dude, I have 100 hours of verse by verse New Testament teaching. It's, it's just a straw man to avoid it. We got, we need this massively in the new age movement. Okay. We're going to have to do a part two at some point because we have, I sent these guys like 15 topics to cover and we're on number three right now. So we'll definitely, if they're okay with it, we'll come back at some point for part two. But I do want to talk about a couple things. One of them is manifesting. Okay. And I, I put this in here at the top because this is increasingly popular in the new age movement and in celebrities and music. And I'm starting to hear Christians say this. Now, before I ask you guys about this, let me make something clear. The word manifest means to, be, to bring something to the light, something hidden. So when we say you manifested a demon, what we're saying is you brought a demon that was hiding, that demon surfaced and came to the light. Okay, that's one thing. That is not what we're about to talk about. When we talk about manifesting, we're talking about not the demon thing. Okay, that's over there. We're talking about the new age idea that you can bring something into existence. You can speak something into existence. You can manifest your destiny. I know Angela Everett and Taylor, you guys know exactly all about this because you spent years trying to manifest something and all you manifested was depression, anxiety, and fear. There's this idea of new age manifestation. Talk to one of you talk to me about this. Like, why is this wrong? Why as a Christian, why can't I manifest my destiny? Why can't I speak to the universe and good vibrations and speak things that are not as though they are? And I've, I'm seeing this seep into the body of Christ. Do any of you want to jump in and talk a little bit about why manifesting the law of attraction, this idea is not biblical and is actually the opposite of what the gospel teaches? Any of you want to jump in? Go for it. I'll jump in. Yeah, I can Go jump in really Taylor. quick. So manifesting um, is it's a counterfeit for prayer, right? And so instead of Good. the Bible says with prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God. And so prayer is 
God, this is what I'm petitioning for. This is what I'm asking for. I'm going to lay it at your throne, lay it at your feet and trust that your will is going to be done in my life. And the big thing that I hear Christians saying is they say, well, I do that. I just manifest with God. But you can't have two people sitting in the driver's seat together. One person Mm. is going to be driving in the car and the other person is going to be in the passenger seat. And people say, well, I use the law of attraction. I use manifesting with God. I do it through the Holy Spirit, but you cannot use the Holy Spirit. That is wicked. The Holy Spirit is God. He can't be used. We can't twist his arm to make him bring us something or use him to accomplish our will. That's witchcraft. That's what witches do with familiar spirits. And familiar spirits are any of those spirits that witches and warlocks and if you're trying to manifest through a spirit it's not the holy spirit it's a familiar spirit and that word in the bible familiar spirit when when you look it up it translates to water skin and what's a water skin it's a water bottle that's the ancient word for a water bottle and a water bottle is a carrying vessel of that spirit and so when you start manifesting when you start doing um trying to connect to spirits when you channel um what else? Uh, mediumship. When you do all this, you're working with familiar spirits and you are letting that spirit not, you don't just have it on you. You're letting it fill you like this water mm. is filling it. And the Bible says that we're vessels, but it says, don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit. But when we manifest and we use these spirits, we're literally letting demons fill us like a water bottle. And so mm. manifesting is a huge open door to the demonic. We cannot ever use the Holy Spirit. That is a blast blasphemous thought that we could even do that and so repent lordship it says you're you're not saved and if jesus is not lord of your life and part of him being lord is we lay down the prayer at his feet we trust him we say god your will not mine manifesting is witchcraft because you're trying to control and you're trying to bring things to yourself that's literally what people do spells what people do incantations it's textbook witchcraft That's so good. I wanted to say too, like what you pointed out is the new age focuses on our will and the gospel focuses on God's will. The Bible focuses on the will of God. And people say, well, Jesus said you can say to this mountain, you got to remember everything the Bible teaches is about bringing glory and honor to the father, bringing glory and honor to Jesus. So when we're talking about commanding things in the new, not the new age, well, I guess they, they overlap. The word of faith movement has really taught a lot of error when it comes to You can speak this. If you want to speak a thousand dollars into existence, keep speaking. And there's some of you that have for years been speaking. There's going to be $10,000 check in my mailbox and there ain't been nothing in your mailbox, but a couple, (laughs) a couple bills. So they have this theology and guys, some of you are going to get mad. I'm going to lose probably like five subscribers. Some of you word of faith, people that speak, speak, speak. You've been speaking and you know, it's not working. You know, that check hasn't come in the mail. You know, that thing hasn't happened. You keep speaking, speaking commanding it to come in existence. Why? Because the Bible says if you pray your own will and you pray for your own pleasure, God will not answer that prayer. So it's not about speaking my will. It's speaking the will of God. Should we be speaking the will of God? Of course. Should we be speaking the scripture? Yes. But we shouldn't be trying to use some prosperity gospel manifestation because some of this prosperity gospel stuff, guys, word of faith is It's very close to the new age. It's very much like what you hear Kim Kardashian. I'm going like, oh man, that sounds like Kim Kardashian preaching. Cause it's like, I'm going to manifest this. I'm going to manifest a job. Hey, look, I'm going to pray, Lord, if it's your will, I pray this job opens up. Like, Lord, if it's your will, Lord, if it's your will, that's how my prayers start. 
Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm not sitting there going, I command that door to open for that job in Jesus' name. And I, I'm just not, I'm just, I don't feel comfortable with it. I, I really believe it's about the will of the Father. If it's not your will, God, shut the door. Don't let yes. me get it. So this manifesting thing is bleeding into the church. Everett, talk to me a little bit. What are your thoughts on this whole manifesting? Every celebrity does this. I won the boxing match because I manifested it. It's like, come on, dude, you won the boxing match because you trained for six months. Let's just be honest. The, the universe was not helping you. Yeah, it's becoming super popular in like just pop culture lingo. And when you really take it to the extreme as people with the law of attraction and manifestation, when you really boil it down to, because what they believe is in manifestation, law of attraction, that whatever your basically your intentions are or your beliefs are internally in the subconscious, you will attract into your life. You will manifest. So in the self-help, which is kind of where it creeped into pop culture, in my opinion, mm. self-help people used this and they would cite scripture, but they would try and form this theology that's not in alignment systematically with Come the on. whole word of God. You need to have a proper systematic theology. And mainly, I see the two verses they use from John 14, where it talks, where Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. But it says that the father may be glorified Come in the on. son. That's it. And that's that's key. But it's still like, okay, well, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, huh? That sounds kind of like, yeah, I need to begin to ask more. I need to begin to reprogram things. Or the others in Matthew 7, uh, Jesus says, ask and you will receive, knock and you'll find, and uh, it will be open to you. So you just got to ask. You just got to ask the universe. But the main verse that it cl clearly dispels all of this is in 1 John chapter 5, where it says, if, any, if you ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. If you ask anything according to his will, like his you will. said, and in the Lord's Prayer, you know, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's about his will. It's about, yes, we can speak things not necessarily into existence on our own accord, but if it aligns with his will. We've given us we've been given a certain authority. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and we it's lost Everett about... again. We lost your Can audio you hear me? Everett. Yep, there you are. You're back. Sir, for some reason the okay. audio keeps going out, but you're back. That's yeah. super weird. But in Proverbs it does talk a lot about, you know, positive things about how, yes. you know, a merry heart does good like medicine and a broken spirit dries the bones and how anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes glad. Well, the good word is the word of God that makes yes. the true gladness and the true joy. So there are good things, but it's not that you're some God who can manifest anything. And that's where it becomes this new age manifestation instead of biblical sound ways to command your spirit, to walk in discipline, to you know take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Make sure that the thoughts you're having are producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life and you will have a blessed life when you walk with Christ. You'll have the definition of a blessed life. You might suffer persecution. You might have certain suffering. But even amidst that, Paul knew he was blessed, that he had the spiritual peace and the spiritual blessing that nothing could take. Fear not who can kill your body, but he who can cast the soul into hell. He's with God. He's with Christ. Nobody can take his soul. So I think the true peace people are looking for when they get into manifestation, it's really found when you understand the nature of reality and how your eternity is sealed when you have faith in Christ, when you know Christ, when you've been forgiven, when you've been cleansed of your sin. And that peace that surpasses all understanding makes you not need and cling to this manifest 
thing where, you know, you're wanting to just go so hard in this lifetime and at the sacrifice of your morality, like this hyper obsession with materialism that's getting super popular, you know, with like Andrew Tate, Tate brothers, which, you know, are bringing back, you know, like the other end of the spectrum of feminism and now masculinity, but this hyper materialism and just build your life and just self-help and people see their salvation in that. They see that this is going to fill the void. This is going to fill, I just need to manifest this. I need to do this. I need it all in this lifetime. We lost you again, Everett. You know, live even a quiet life, a godly life, and and walk in holiness in the Lord, and you'll have that peace. So I, I really, as I come from wanting to manifest everything, and although the Bible does talk about, you know, harboring good things in the mind, when you have that peace and understanding of salvation in Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross, that brings the joy that you might think all those Lamborghinis or that massive uh, building some massive enterprise and business, not to say that's bad, and I do believe God leads people into that and God totally guides people like uh, um, the rich man of Arimathea who literally donated his tomb to Jesus. He was a rich man. He was a disciple of Jesus. He was waiting patiently for the kingdom of God, the Bible says. You know, God has his people in those spheres, but not for every single person. Find his will, seek his will. Everything is in his will in his word and in prayer and in fasting, just commune with the Lord. And then you can manifest according to his will and live the greatest life. That's ever. so good. I, w- I want to correct myself really quick as well. When I said it wasn't, you know, manifesting, it was the six months of boxing training. I do want to clarify this. The devil will give you things when you work for him. So like Lady Gaga has a famous story of she met with the devil. He basically told her, I'll give you everything if you serve me. And she did and became super famous like within a month. So yeah, the devil will give you and you will, and I'm going to put air quotes here if everyone can see, manifest, but all you're doing is demons and the devil are are doing your bidding for you, are bringing you wealth, mm-hmm. bringing you success. The devil uses artists, celebrities. They're super, super famous because the devil is giving them these things. And the Bible says the devil is the ruler of this world. So we're in right now his domain, but we, we are establishing the kingdom of God. So I do want to make something clear. When you are manifesting and sending demons to do your bidding, there are times where it does work. It's not like this. It never works. It's completely false. The celebrities that say every day I spoke this. Yes, those demons, the devil is going out and doing their bidding. Go ahead, Angela. I'm sorry. I just wanted to correct myself because I made it seem like it's all fake and the devil has no power when in reality there is some truth to people that do this stuff. No, I'm actually glad you said that because that's the thing is that it does work. You know, yeah. all this stuff works until it doesn't. That's that the appeal of it. There would be no appeal if there wasn't a sense of reality to it. it 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 works like the devil works but the thing is like we all know in new age he counterfeits he cannot yes. create anything he can only steal kill and destroy that is literally the devil's only mo all throughout scripture and that mo has not changed all he can do is steal kill and destroy so he counterfeits things um so yeah he can absolutely give you counterfeit blessing 100 percent um, and, and I think something that you both did gave really wonderful explanations on that. I loved Taylor, you talking about how they compare it to prayer. And I want to get back to that. Um, but something about that is the thing about the manifestation craze, the law of attraction craze is this false sense of control. And now people won't always speak to that. It's not like they're going to come out and admit, 
I'm actually super insecure. So I feel like I need to be the ruler of my own life and manifest wow. my own destiny. But that's what it is because I did it. And, and I know the and I know the way that I suffered and I know the way that these people are suffering that I, that I see practice manifestation. It is this desperate insecurity of, I need to control everything because the truth is I'm spiraling and I know it. I'm mm. actually really, really sad. And I know it, I'm actually, you know, th there's a part of, there's a part of you that realizes that you are on the wrong path. And so this desperation with the whole law of attraction thing is like, I got to fix my path. I got to get on the right path. It's that spiritual narcotic that I spoke to earlier. You just, you get addicted to trying to fix it. It's a self-savior complex, like I said earlier. And so with, with, with the law of attraction, it's all about trying to be God. And a lot of people think they're partnering with source, they're partnering with God, but really what it is, is you're trying to play God not realizing that you're actually on puppet strings and the devil's the puppeteer because you are walking in his will when you are playing all these games, all these new age games and doing law of attraction, you are actually yielding to and obeying the devil's will and the devil's counterfeit, corrupt, perverted plan for your life rather than whatever it said, all about those Bible verses. It's all about the glory of the Lord, whereas law of attraction is all about glory of the self. And the gospel is specific that we must die to ourself. Literally, that, that means you, you, you are dead. When you come to Christ, the old man is dead. You are a new creation. So you, you pick up your cross and you follow Christ. You pray in thanksgiving and supplication to him. And I've said before, like when you are in his will, yeah, he's going to give you his, his inheritance, but we don't come to Christ and we don't believe in God. And this is the problem with a lot of new agers. They love God. They love Jesus because of what they think he will give them, not wow. because of who he is. And that's true Christianity. You come to Christ because of who he is, not because of what he can do for you. And then once you know whose you are and he knows whose you are, which is his, then yeah, he's going to bless you because he's a good father. Come and on. that's just what he does. That, that's what a good father does. That's his character. That's his heart. Is he going to give you every single thing you ask for in life? No, he's not a genie. He's not like a vending machine the sky but sometimes the blessing is actually the protection from the things that you think you want and as i'm sure we you all have an experience true. within that and so it's just you just have to completely surrender and then law of attraction is all about control trying to grip on the control but actual biblical prayer like taylor said how they they think it's just another form of prayer real prayer is surrender God, let your will be done. That's what it says. And all those verses that they use out of context. And I know because again, it's like that, that crazy and how I said it's build a bear Christian or build a bear religion, new age. Like they do like some Bible verses um, and they like the asking you shall receive Bible verse. However, what's the context of that? Oh, in obedience to Christ. It's like, it's like the verses surrounding that verse are all about literally walking in his path, like do, doing what he says to do. And then him kind of provide, like I said, providing the blessings for you just because he loves you because you're yielding to him. And it's not because he's like a crazy egomaniac, but it's because he just loves you so much. And it's like an overflowing outpour of that love and that providence. And when you really surrender and submit to his providence, you see his will be done. How I mentioned in my testimony, my life in the last two years, and this isn't like, 
oh, look at me. It's look at God. Look at what God did. I am, I am, I got pregnant on my wedding night. Like the, like the Lord gave me a baby that I, I never knew I wanted before. He's given me a husband from the man that I spent five, six years trying to manifest our perfect relationship between us, but I never could. And he gave that to me because I prayed, Lord, if it's your will, and I know it's your will because your word says it's not your will that any man should perish, please just call him to yourself. And he got radically saved. He has done more in my life just for my submission to him than I could ever do in those 10 years that I was under the deception of Satan. And so I just pray anyone that sees this that's like stuck in new age or stuck in the law of attraction would realize that everything you are looking for is on the other side of your humility and your actual surrender and understanding that there is a God that loves you. You are precious to him and he had you in mind when he stretched out his arms on that cross, knowing that you may not even receive him. He still did it for you anyway because he loves you so much. And I just pray that people would just repent for the life that they are living now and surrender it all to him because he is so worth it. He is so good. So good. Angela, you are on fire. I'm telling you right now, don't ever doubt yourself. You are on fire. Just you're such a great communicator. The Holy Spirit's working through you. Um, I want to ask you guys about one more thing and then we're going to pray because we've been an hour and a half and we're on like number four right now. So I sent them 15. <laughs> we're on number four. We're going to do a We're going to do a part two, part three. The chemistry is amazing and the Holy Spirit's just moving in this podcast. I'm having so much fun. I can do this all night. Unfortunately, you guys are multiple hours ahead. And if we start going like two, three hours, YouTube just doesn't show our video to anybody. So I want to make sure that we do cover one more topic and then we pray if that's okay with you guys. Um, and I'll pass over first to Everett, but I want to describe these two things I want to talk about. I put them together as spirit guides and necromancy because I'm seeing a very now the people in the chat hear that and go spirit guides and necromancy. We would never do that. That's not happening in the church. I won't mention names. I'm going to be, I'm going to hold back here. I'm going to try not to be so Italian and Hispanic and crazy right now, but there are some popular preachers. If I said their names, you guys would all get mad, freak out, and the chat would be crazy for the next hour. So I won't, I won't mention any names. I'm just going to say this. I am seeing, be very careful with my words, some prominent, charismatic preachers that are, that are, you know, in my world, in my wheelhouse, they're doing deliverance, they're prophesying and all that, starting to now teach people that you can get angels as your guide. You can get um, some of the deceased disciples as your spirit guide. You can talk to dead relatives. In fact, I recently saw a video of a guy who's in my world. Again, won't mention names, guys. And please don't type names in the chat, okay? Don't even, it's a waste of time, don't. But he was prophesying and he was telling the person, oh, right now, I'm talking to your dead relative. I'm in heaven right now. This is what he was saying. I'm in heaven right now. And your uncle that you thought went to hell is actually in heaven because I'm talking to him. And he wants to tell you. And he was bringing messages back from relatives that apparently were in heaven. They thought were in hell. And then he was giving them. Then he was telling her, there's another relative you thought went to heaven. He's actually in hell. I'm talking to him right now. He's doing this as he's prophesying. And this guy is very popular. A lot of my followers watch him, follow his stuff. Again, I'm not blasting him by name. All I'm saying is we're seeing a rise of spirit guides, we, but they're masquerading as, oh, they're just angels. They're guiding you as your angel. And then also talking to the dead. So let me give the definition of the both. And then Everett, I want your thoughts on it, okay? But I'll give the definition. So spirit guides, according to an article I recently found, are 
a Western theosophical doctrine. Spirit guides are not always human descent. Some spirit guides live as energy in the cosmic realm. They are light beings, which are high level spirit guides. Some spirit guides who are, are persons who have lived former lives, paid their karmic debts and advanced beyond the need to reincarnate. And now they wander the earth and guide humans in basically in reincarnation, okay? Necromancy, that's spirit guides. That's what the new age teaches. Necromancy is defined as the conjuring of spirits of the dead and the purpose of magically revealing the future or influencing the course of events. In the Bible, necromancy is referred to as divination, sorcery, and spiritism, and it's forbidden in scripture, according to Leviticus 19.26, Deuteronomy 18.10, Galatians 5.19, and Acts 19.19 is an abomination to God. So here you have the New Age teaching about spirit guides, and then you have people in the church teaching about necromancy, which is communicating with the dead, Everett, I know you were involved a bit in spirit guides. You were channeling spirit guides. I'm going to ask you a dumb question, but I have to ask you because sadly, I the people are falling into this. Is this something Christians should be involved with as believers? Should we be looking to angel guides, spirit guides? Should we be communicating with your dead? What are your raw, honest thoughts on that? So I want to read a scripture. And oh, no, we're losing your audio. Hold on. Okay, you're back. You're back. Go ahead. Yep, you're back. Okay. Go for it. I want to read a scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 18 where it says, God is saying, when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. Mm. Then he goes to list them. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire, one who practices witchcraft, soothsayer, interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead for all who do these things are an abomination to the lord now i don't believe that the lord's opinion on that has changed Come on. however i do think that the the mm. spiritual mechanics of this is also pretty complex moses and elijah did appear to the disciples when jesus was transplexed on the mount but that's jesus and jesus yep. was there but did moses did appear to the disciples which is you know an interesting dilemma but it, it doesn't negate the fact that calling up the dead, a medium, a spiritist, Deuteronomy 18, is an abomination to the Lord. Saul tried to do this, tried to call up Samuel, tried to, uh, you know, go to a medium. God did not approve of it. It was a wicked sin. And so I, I think it's interesting how the Moses, and I, I, I probably would assume that people who emphasize this heavily will take that one example and then maybe not teach on the other uh, mentionings of this phenomenon in scripture and kind of have an unbalanced view of it but i would assume that that's because that's probably the clearest example where moses who was dead did appear to someone living the disciples the the ones that were with jesus on the mountain elijah didn't die he was taken up to heaven so i i find that interesting but i would rather err on the side of uh obeying the clear commands in scripture to not seek out that and to not call up the dead or consult people who who will be doing that with the uh, spirit guides and stuff? Um, I think in the New Age, it's clear that uh, they're all demons because they don't serve Jesus Christ. When you come to Christ, they they can't deceive you, so they go in to torture you, and you experience all sorts of torture because these spirit guides that you allowed in were deceiving you against Christ. Then they go to to really harm you to take away your effectiveness for the Lord. And that's why I find deliverance is not, as we were saying, not the solution. Salvation's the solution, but 
the the grow and effectiveness you want to get rid of all the bondage get rid of all the baggage get rid of all the things that might be hindering your work your service to the lord and that's kind of what i was experiencing when i came to the lord like get these things out that i wanted once in and with the angels uh people wanting to have an angel guide i think it also becomes murky water because the holy spirit isn't he enough isn't jesus christ enough isn't ananias you know, praying, and then the Lord saying, Ananias, you know, please go to the house of Saul, who was once murdering Christians, who Ananias could think, what the heck, is this a, is this a demon talking to me? Is this, what is this? Am I going to go die going to this guy who's been killing all of our friends and family, these Christians? He knew it was the Lord. He had a relationship with the Lord. He was just a disciple. He wasn't some apostle or one of the 12. He was a disciple like us. We are disciples of Christ. Isn't consulting and praying and going Christ and the Holy Spirit enough. And although when Peter was broken, broken out of prison by an angel, it says that Peter was actually, he, he didn't know if it was real life. He thought it was still a vision, perhaps. And now he's going through being led out of the prison, which would kind of be interesting. Like, man, how many visions was he having? Or how many yeah. experiences was he having where the Lord was communicating him in such a way? And a lot of New Agers think that, oh, Christianity, it's all just... Oh, we lost you again, Everett. Same, same, there you go. Same. It's like, why not have an experience from the Holy Spirit, from Jesus Christ, the creator of the heavens and the earth, who who has gains control over your mind when you surrender to him? You can still have beautiful spiritual experiences that he shows you his glory and he shows you his purpose for your life. Well, Peter, when he got out, uh, when they were, he was knocking at the door at the house, trying to notify people that, hey, I'm out of prison. One of them said that it, they thought it was Peter's angel. Yeah. If he had some sort of, you know, guardian angel. As- oh, we keep losing you. We lost you again. No. Hold on. Let's see. Go ahead. Try. Can you hear me? Yeah. We lose you for like three or four seconds. You're back now. What the heck? Yeah. It's so so weird. there were Discord. angels operating in God's service and Peter was in relationship with them, but he was going to Christ. He wasn't, there's nowhere in the Bible where it says, oh, Peter then consulted his angel. Yeah. Or, you know, wouldn't there be at least kind of a verse talking about how, hey, there's this angel who could do this. Like it's, you know, God is wanting this or, hey, you know, maybe one time you should pray to an angel or one time Jesus prayed to an angel. No. The, minis- the, the angels ministered to Jesus yes. after he passed. The angel of the Lord came to Joseph, came to Mary, you know, and, and delivered a message from the Lord. They weren't saying, oh, wait, you know, I'm praying to the angel today. And no, they, they served Yahweh. They served the Lord. And we are meant to pray and see Jesus Christ just as Ananias did, just as he you know, lost him again. Christ, and, there go. and don't, you know, contact the dead and contact angels when scripture is pretty clear that that is an abomination to the Lord. Just seek the Lord and, and, uh, and seek his will. He's and the, he's the one, he's the way, the truth and the life. That's, that's how good. I see it. That's good. I want to add something and then I'm going to pass it over to Angela. When you're talking to your deceased loved ones, you're actually talking to a familiar spirit. So if you think, right. you know, your aunt Terry, your uncle Jeff, whoever it is, the smell you get of your grandma's pie that she made when you were younger that's all demonic those are familiar spirits and the reason why they're called familiar spirits is because they're familiar with your relatives they're familiar with you it's like when people say how did the psychic know all the stuff about my past and the parties i was at well let's see 
the psychic contacted a demon and the demon was with you there at the party. You know what I'm saying? It's like they're there. They're yeah. familiar with you. So the Bible makes clear the dead know nothing. Now, I, I do want to say there are some caveats like you talked about, Everett. When you look at interesting point, the Mount Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah show up. We know it's like Jesus was a fulfillment of the law, which was Moses and the prophets, which was, was, which was Elijah. Peter, James, and John get invited to the mountain. And then look, it's interesting what it says. It says, Peter goes, should we build monuments for you? So he wants to build a monument for Elijah, a monument for Moses, and a monument for Jesus. The moment Peter says, should we build statues and monuments? The Bible says, Elijah and Moses disappear. It's only Jesus. And then a voice from the heaven says, this is my beloved son. In other words, Peter, don't elevate men don't idolize men and don't try to build monuments of, over men. Jesus is the only one you should worship. He's the only one you should praise. Moses and Elijah are not like Jesus. This is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. So it's almost like they disappear and God says, it's all about Jesus. Jesus is a fulfillment of the law of the prophets. And they also wanted to touch on what you mentioned in 1 Samuel 28, 6. It says, and when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer, neither by dreams or by prophets. Then Saul said, seek me a woman who has a familiar spirit that I might go to her and inquire of her. Then basically Paul, I mean Saul, who had already put all the witches out, inquires of her. She calls up Samuel, who is already dead. This is Old Testament, so it's a little bit different, but just for the sake of biblical literacy and accuracy. She calls up Samuel. I've studied this over and over, guys. Like, is it really Samuel? Is a spirit... The Bible says it's Samuel that comes up. Samuel says, what, basically, why have you disturbed me? But God detest the fact that Saul did this. God was not okay with this. God detested this. Even though Samuel did come up and respond to him, I think God allowed it for a reason, but it's not, it's not a practice that is prescribed to us. It's a historical event, but it's not something that we're supposed to practice. I'm going to show you guys definitively why we shouldn't be calling up the dead. First Chronicles chapter 10, verse 13 says this. And this is literally what it says about the death of Saul. So Saul died for the transgressions which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not. And then here's, and then it says this, and also he died for seeking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit and inquiring of her. And he inquired not of the Lord. Therefore he slew him and turned the kingdom over to David. So it's interesting when you look at Saul, who is a mighty king, the Bible puts in the reason for his death was one, he disobeyed God and committed transgression. We know that he didn't kill Agag and all the all the, the king when he was supposed to. But then the Bible says, and two, he died because he seeks someone with a familiar spirit. So this was really the downfall of Saul seeking after the dead, looking into necromancy. Uh, I would say safely run far away from any teacher or preacher that's inquiring of the dead, especially during ministry time. Like, I can't even imagine ministering to someone and being like, oh, and by the way, I'm in heaven right now talking to your relative who's gone on. Or by the way, I'm at the gates of hell talking to your cousin you thought was in heaven is really in hell. There's a million things wrong with that. We could do an hour video on why we shouldn't be doing that. I just think it's very uh, dangerous when we start making normative practice practices of something the Bible clearly says God detests. Angela, what are your thoughts on necromancy, believers trying to contact dead loved ones? I think in your testimony, you talked about Actually, you got into the New Age movement because you wanted to contact your grandmother. Is that right? And the medium that I sought out um, was kind of just putting herself out there as a woman of God. She made it very clear wow. to us that wow. 
She was in commune with the archangels and she had an angel card deck out for us to all grab a card. And she was, you know, she prayed, she had crucifixes on the wall. So coming into this, I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is, this is good. This is safe. It wasn't like a scare. And again, Saint Masquerade is an angel of light. It's not like I like went into this dark room and this woman was like, had a cloak over her head kind of thing. It was just, it was like a normal woman. She looked like a grandma and she's just like, yes, like this is God, this is God. God wants to see this, blah, blah, blah. And she told us like all these super unbiblical things about how my uncle was in purgatory. My uncle had committed suicide and and that he had worked his way through purgatory and now he's climbing the stairs of heaven. And she knew all this stuff about me and my grandma. And that flipped the switch for me. Like that literally is what pushed me over the edge into new age spirituality was this experience I had with the medium because I was like, my grandmom's really here. My grandma's really here. So what that did was it caused me to seek out my own sense of mediumship. I bought, I bought books on how to be a psychic and how to contact the dead. And, um, you know, it's funny because I would have, I would have never touched a Ouija board or anything like that, but that's what I was doing. I'm reading books that look pretty because it's like talk to angels and blah, blah, blah. But, wow. you know, again, masquerades is an angel of light. So anyway, yeah, I I adopt, I had this familiar spirit and I really don't know if it was in me, if it was around me. I, I don't know. I will, I mean, biblically, we really only see demons being cast out. So scripturally speaking, I guess it was inside me, but it was my grandma and I knew it. I talked to it. I could feel it. It would hug me. It would touch me. Wow. It would it would whisper like it was it was always there whenever I said like grandma I need you. It was there. It would it would send me signs. It would send me signals. It was it was like a it was like a phantom limb. It was just always there. And after I got saved, I was and so this is before I fell into any sort of doctrine. This is like Fresh when I got saved and I was the blind man just running around screaming, I don't know, I can see. That was like where I was at this point. Um, so I had never had anyone tell me yet that you can't, you you know, you don't have the whole, you don't have the authority of the Holy Spirit. You can't talk to demons and, and tell them what to do. I just knew to do this, like in mm. my, in my, in my spirit, because the Holy Spirit was there and he told me to. I was alone in the house, in the kitchen, and I felt it just like come over me, the the grandmom's spirit. And I just, I like threw the dish down and I screamed at it. And I was like, you disgusting thing. You've been pretending to be my grandmom all Whoa. this time. You're a demon. Go back wow. to hell in Jesus name. Get away from me. Leave me. I don't want you. Like I was screaming at it for like, you know, I was overdoing it because it was the first time I had ever done anything. And it was, it was so offensive and vile to me that I had fallen for it, that I loved it. Like it was like Stockholm syndrome. I was in love with this thing because I really thought it was her until the Lord gave me eyes to see. And so I, I, I cast it out. I made it leave in Jesus' name because the Holy Spirit was indwelling in me and it never came back. I never felt it ever, ever, wow. ever again from that moment on. And then I got neutered and was told that we can't do that. So I started to tell that story differently. And I said that I just kind of prayed. I told this on the episode I did with Taylor. I just started to pray that or I would tell people that I just prayed like, oh, Jesus, please take it away. But that's not what happened. Like I mm. told it to leave in Jesus name because it, it repulsed me. It was disgusting. So that being said, your spirit guides, and that's very big in new ages. Like you have these spirit guides. Those are not spirit guides. Those are Come demons. On. I used to be able to feel them at night. Like 
oh, it's just my, like Everett said, he thought he was from Pleiades. I used to be like, oh, it's aliens in my room. And the reason that I feel uncomfortable is just because they're at a higher energetic vibration than I am in my body. And so that's why it feels uncomfortable. Like, no, it was a demon in my bedroom. My, you know, before we were saved, like me and my now husband, we would sleep in the same bed. Um, someone will clip that. And so he would wake up in the middle of the night and just like see me sitting up in bed. And he said like, sometimes I would talk and like, I don't have any recollection of that, but that was literally like the demons. It was the spirit guides. It was the demons. And the spirit guides will always tell you, you know, I see people, like I mentioned before, I love dearly that are still in this crap. And they'll, they'll, they'll say like, oh, my guides said to do this. My guides said to do that. My guides told me to the suffering is the process. And I'm just like sitting there like grieved and just praying like the, your demons are telling you these things. And it's just, again, it's like they will believe anything except the Bible, just Jesus. Like he's all we need. And yeah, this stuff with like, Samuel, I I agree with you, Isaiah, because I, I studied that a lot because the first time I ever heard that, I was on the Michael Knowles show and he kind of just said, you know, there's a ghost in the Bible. And I was like, no, I don't. I actually didn't know that. I never heard that before. So I got, I felt embarrassed and I really wanted to understand it. And yeah, any anything I see about it, it, it was Samuel. But then, yeah, what happened the next day? Saul died. Yeah. So we're <laughs> there. there's clearly like a reason he allowed that to happen to show like, um, like it gets like the Lord saying like I'm not playing with these commands like do not do this it's dangerous mm. there are spiritual repercussions to these things and so I've never actually heard of um, people in the church doing that but Lord like I just I mean the the word says that He's faithful to complete the good work He starts in us so I pray that they would just put their pride down and let the Lord do what He does and really convict them of that because that's yeah. not okay and that's not biblical and that's not. That's not what Jesus died for. He didn't die so that we would need a, a spirit guide. Like, he gave us his Holy Spirit. What else do you need? That's so good. And I and also, too, is like, if you look at why Saul did it, the Bible says the reason he did it, because he wasn't experiencing God anymore. He wasn't having dreams. He wasn't having mm. visions. So when really? you lose that intimacy for God, you have to go find a counterfeit experience. Like, and let's just, I'm going to give Taylor the mic before we pray. Let's just be clear on everything we're saying tonight. The new age has stolen the supernatural. The new age did not invent the supernatural. They have hijacked it from the church, from the gospel. The gospel is supernatural. The whole story of God, everything, the Bible is supernatural. It's all God, all supernatural. The new age movement has hijacked it, has taken it, taken it away. So we don't need to be scared of it. We need the authentic. If there's a counterfeit, I want the real. What's the real? So this is all a counterfeit. It's all an ungodly version. It's so refreshing to hear three ex-New Agers look in the camera and say, guys, this is demons. This is demonic. Because even Christian ex-New Agers, they don't ever say that. Like, it's just so refreshing to go, this is demonic. This is wrong. Run from it. Get out of this. It will destroy you. It will ruin your life. The devil doesn't love you. The devil doesn't care about you. All he wants to do is ruin, take, steal. That's what he does. So I'm, I'm very refreshed tonight hearing that. But let us make sure that we're getting our legitimate experiences from Jesus. Not from the New Age. Mm. Not from tarot cards. Not from Ouija boards. There's plenty of supernatural experiences you can have with God in prayer. Like start praying every day for an hour or two and watch the encounters you have with God. These encounters you have with God, you don't walk out with depression. 
You don't walk out with anxiety. You don't walk out with fear. You don't walk out with anger and bitterness. When I go into prayer, I say, Lord, I want to stay in this prayer room until I walk out a better man. I want to walk out mm -hmm. a better husband. I want to walk out a better father. I want to walk out more kind, more patient, more passionate, more hungry for the word of God. And that's what God does. God brings life, but I have to spend time in the secret place. If Don't get mad that you're not having supernatural experiences if you're not spending time where God is. Jesus said in Matthew 7, God is in the secret place. So we have to spend the time and energy seeking the Lord and experiencing God. I have plenty of supernatural experiences. I'm at church on Sunday and man, I'm getting emotional. I'm feeling the Holy Spirit. I'm passionate. I'm going, God, thank you for saving me. That's an experience. That's an amazing experience when I can look at what God has done with me, look at my life. I don't need to have some familiar spirit, some angel, some dead relative. No, I'm looking forward to God. Um, Taylor, any thoughts you have on the whole necromancy and spirit guides? And then we're going to pray. Yeah, you guys all made excellent, amazing points. Um, and even Jesus himself gives us, um, and it's not a parable. He doesn't describe it as a parable, but the story of the rich man and Lazarus and mm. how after they die, they're not roaming around on earth. We're not calling them up, calling him down. You know, there's, um, he was in Abraham's bosom and Sheol, right? It was, it was yep. in that parable. Um, and when we die, we don't sleep in the ground. We don't soul sleep. We don't roam around the earth. There's no ghosts. When we die after that comes judgment, we go to heaven, we go to hell, all of that stuff. And so calling up these things and conjuring and going out of the body. And I went to heaven. I went to hell. That stuff sounds just like new age astral projection. And God can take us. People have had real encounters where the spirit of the Lord will take them up in a vision or in, you know, in different places like that. But when you have people in the church saying, I was talking to your relative and this and that and remote control anointings, that's like witchcraft Demonic. getting in the church. The Holy Spirit is not going to give you an anointing to control people because witchcraft is control. Come on. And I just really felt that's been such a theme that God has been pressing on me during this live is this stuff is witchcraft, witchcraft, worship, call it new age, call it anointings, but no, we're going to pull it back, call it what it is. It's demonic. It's evil. The Holy Spirit is not going to do all that. And then like Everett said, when the angels came and delivered a message from God, they're working for him. They serve God. They're coming with a message. They're coming with an assignment. They're fulfilling their assignment and they're continuing to serve the Lord. They're not a familiar spirit. Like you were saying is that it's acquainted with you. It knows you. It's been following you or your bloodline and it's cozy and it's comfortable like Angela thought it was her grandmother and those are the spirits that witches and warlocks send out oh go give a message go bring me a message go do that and I see people doing that with angels but it it just looks like the same thing of a witch using a familiar spirit and so if you find yourself and the Holy Spirit is stirring in you and you're noticing these things in your churches you should leave if there's manipulation yes. if there's control you see the pastors or the pastor wife and there's just a culture of fear intimidation domination control familiar spirits using god using the holy spirit there's witchcraft in that church probably under some jezebelic leadership just go ahead and get out of there and look for a church that is surrendered and submitted and serving and preaching the true gospel um and before we close out i know we're going to move into a time of prayer 
Maybe you're watching this live stream and you're realizing now, oh my gosh, I have crystals, I have tapestries, I have sage, I have these things in my house. While we pray, go clean out your home. Go Come and on. remove these demonic things from your house because doing these practices like we've talked about lets those unclean spirits in, but also having these items in your house also is what gives them permission to come in and torment you and your family and bad dreams and all of those things. And so all of the things we mentioned, anything new age, anything you got from a new age store, any kind of good luck charm or anything, weird music, CDs, movies, horror movies, secular, just throw it away, get rid of it tonight and receive a deeper deliverance. That's so good, Taylor. I'm glad you said that because I think a lot of people want a quick prayer and prayer is so powerful and I'm actually going to have you pray in a second. It's so powerful. Demons leave. We can command things. God is so amazing and that's uh, there's a 100% a place for that. All of us believe in prayer. We do mass deliverance, all that. There's also the part where you go, oh, I actually have to put some work in I, and this is what people don't like. I actually have to get rid of the movies, get rid of the music, get rid of the tarot cards. So there's homework to be done, guys. There's work to put in. I want to pray, Taylor, have you pray for those that are maybe in the new age, maybe coming out. Let's pray a prayer of deliverance. Let's, pr let's pray a prayer of all these demons, spirit guides, this, this, this. I know we had a lot more to cover and we 100% will do a part two with us four. I loved tonight. It was so amazing. It went so good. But let's pray a prayer of these things have to leave you tonight. There's no it's or buts about it. You cannot stay in these people. They're not your home. Every familiar spirit. And maybe you're going through like what Angela said, like, oh, that spirit was there. It was trying to hug me. It said it was my grandma. It was an imposter. Some of you have that. Some of you have a, a person following you, a little boy, a little girl, some, something you opened up playing the Ouija board. That could leave you tonight in Jesus' name. As yeah. Taylor prays, those things are going to leave you. They're not, they can't stay. They must go in Jesus' name. And I want to have Taylor pray for you guys. And we're going to believe that there's just going to be breakthrough tonight as she prays. It's not our power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Would it be okay if I, before she did that, would it be okay if I, I promise I won't take 30 minutes like I have this whole time. Can I pray a quick prayer of just 100%. conviction and repentance that she can then use 100%. as like a segue? That'd be awesome. Okay. Are we doing that now? Is, is yep, everyone let's complete? Do it. No, that's their... perfect. Okay. Yeah, that's perfect. Well, just thanks for thanks for having all of us, Isaiah. This was awesome. I'd love to do it again. Of course. Okay. Lord, I just want to lift every single person that is watching on the live and that will watch in the replay to you right now. Lord, you know their hearts. You knit them together in the womb. And I thank you that you are so precious for them, to them, that you shed the that you shed the blood of Christ, Lord, that you sent your only begotten son for them. And Jesus, I thank you that when you said on the cross, it is finished, that you meant it. And I pray tonight that everyone would would be saved by grace through faith that that is true, Lord. And so I pray that right now, as they have their eyes closed, that you would just show them that you would give them a vision of the sin that it is that they need to repent for right now. Lord, I pray that you would show them the sin that opened the door to the spirits that they have currently yoked with, Lord, that is keeping them from walking in the freedom that you died for, Lord. I pray that you would show them that sin, that you would convict them. I pray that the godly sorrow, that the conviction of the Holy Spirit would completely wash over them and begin to do a work in their hearts under the sound of my voice right now in Jesus' name name. 
that they would begin to repent, that they would begin to weep, that they would lay it all at the foot of the cross, Lord, that they would truly come out of agreement with these sins, that they would come out of agreement with these spirits, and that they would just say, Jesus, I want all of you. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light, Lord. Let me die to myself and live unto you. Father, give me your spirit. Give me your truth. I don't just want you to, to know that you're the truth. I want you to be the truth for me, Jesus. Teach me how to walk in radical obedience and holiness to you, Lord. Right now, I just give you my life. I give you every sin, and I thank you that you've forgiven me, Lord. I thank you that the work is finished, and I thank you for freedom in Jesus' name. So good. Go for it, Taylor. So good. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. So just, if that's you, like Angela said, just just whisper to the Lord, I surrender everything to you right now. He wants all of your heart. Just surrender your heart to the Lord. Lord, forgive me from all of my sins. I give my life to you. Jesus, you lay down your life for me, so I'm going to lay my life down and give it back to you right now, Lord. And, and you can even ask the Holy Spirit, fill me, Holy Spirit. I want to be baptized in you. Come and fill me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And even before we for, uh, start doing deliverance, just forgive. Forgive anybody mm. that you need to forget, anyone who has hurt you, anyone who has wronged you. If we don't forgive others, the Lord will not forgive us. If we don't forgive others, you're going to keep those same demons in you because we've got to forgive and let go to let these things come out. And so forgive. God, I release every person who has offended me, who has hurt me, who has abused me. God, I release them to you right now. I release them from the punishment that I feel they deserve. God, you are a perfect judge. You judge them, God, not me. I release every person who has hurt me to you right now, Lord. I just put them in your hands. And so, Lord, I just renounce, just begin to renounce. That means you're coming out of agreement with everything that you let in. Even before you were saved, those doors that you opened to the new age, to Ouija boards, to tarot cards, having... um eastern tapestries in your home having crystals believing in these things going to a psychic god i renounce psychic readings i renounce my astrology sign i renounce every palm reading i renounce all divination i renounce python spirit i just begin to renounce i renounce lying cheating stealing i renounce watching things online i should not be watching i renounce lust what do you need to be free from renounce it take a moment right now if you need to pause it later on go back and watch it you can finish renouncing and we're going to command these things to leave your life right now in Jesus name and also let's renounce generational curses there are some of you with generational curses of witchcraft and new age in your family and you've been drawn to these things from a young age like I was and so you can just say God I renounce every generational curse of witchcraft of of false religion of cults of blood oaths of sacrifices that my ancestors made for my bloodline to serve this demon and this false god i renounce every generational curse in jesus name i renounce it lord I renounce every familiar spirit. If you had a spirit, God, I renounce every familiar spirit in the mighty name of Jesus. And so, Lord, we just we just bind up every spirit that was renounced right now. We just we just say the blood of Jesus over every person watching, the blood of Jesus from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. And we bind every demonic spirit in Jesus' mighty name right now. And we break every generational curse of witchcraft, of necromancy, of of divination, of sorcery, of witchcraft, of false religion, every single generational curse in 
the name of Jesus, I command you to break right now in their life. Break. In Jesus' name, break. Every bloodline oath, break. Every bloodline curse, break right now. In Jesus' name, every altar that was erected from their family and the generations and blood sacrifices and blood oaths and blood witchcraft, I break it off right now in Jesus' mighty name. And every demonic spirit come up and out right now in Jesus' name. You loose them. Every mind control spirit come out right now in Jesus' name. Every spirit of divination, of witchcraft, of python, of false religion, up and out right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Every spirit that came in through yoga, through astrology, through tarot cards, through the Enneagram, through demonic and horror movies and demonic music, and, and false doctrines and false teachings and cessationism and all of these doctrines of demons. You go right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Every unclean spirit, go. Every mocking spirit, go right now in Jesus' name. Every familiar spirit that has been following them, I command you to go from their life yes. right now to the pit of hell in the mighty name of Jesus. I just, Lord, just reveal to them anything else that they need to call out and we just commit every single unclean spirit i don't care what your name is i don't care how you got in we bind you in jesus name and command you all up and out right now in jesus mighty name every last one every last one off of their wombs off of off, every spirit of infirmity go right now in jesus name every spirit of barrenness every witchcraft spirit attacking the wombs of women i command you to go right now in the mighty name of jesus and be healed from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet be healed in your mind in your eyes in your back in your womb from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet we release healing in the mighty name of jesus every lying spirit every spirit of confusion wrapping around their minds you go right now in jesus name and holy spirit i ask that you would fill them fill every area that was cleansed out that was washed away that has been um, just set free in Jesus' name. Fill them, fill them, fill them, and continue to just do the work, Lord. Do the work in their life. Free them. Thank you, Lord, that it's by your stripes we're healed, that you paid the price for our freedom and for our deliverance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So powerful. God amen. is moving so strong. What an amazing podcast, guys. Two hours. We just hit two hours and five minutes. It flew by. You guys all have such, I just want to say this publicly, such a strong anointing a special gifting to the body of Christ. I feel like you guys, I feel the same way about me scratching the surface, but I feel like you guys are barely scratching the surface of what God has for you. And I just see such incredible things in your guys' future. I'm trying not to be cliche, but man, hearing you guys all talk tonight and tag team off of each other is like such a strong anointing, such a, such a special gift that God has given each one of you to communicate his gospel and his word. And you each have a very special anointing. So I want to encourage all of you, continue to post videos, continue to go live. I want to make sure everyone that's watching this on the replay or on the audio on Spotify or live right now, there's about 2,800 of you. Please make sure you subscribe to their channels. All their channels are linked in the description. I know Angela, Taylor are both going to be going live more. I know Everett's posting content. Please sub to their channels, get involved in their ministry, partner with them monthly, support them. This I'm telling you guys as my followers of this ministry, this is good ground to sow into. Taylor, Angela, Everett, this is good ground to sow into. Of course, I'm going to sow into them tonight, a love offering, but I want to challenge all of you guys, go to their pages, go to their websites. Hey, where could I give 20 bucks a month? Where can I give 50 a month? They're pouring their lives into this thing. I really want to see all of them just, man, full-time 
whooping the devil and serving God and preaching the gospel. So, hey, I want to let you guys know I honor you guys. I love what God is doing with you. I, I covet our friendship. I appreciate our friendship. I don't take it lightly. I don't care whose platform is bigger of what. None of that matters in heaven. No one cares. None of the platform. Oh, you have more subs. None of that matters. We're all brothers and sisters serving God, advancing his kingdom. And so, man, I honor what you guys are doing. Thank you so much. It means a lot. You're like a I'll spiritual big brother. Yeah, we, yeah, I look up to you so much, and it's an honor to to be here and be with all of you guys. I love you all. I love you guys, and I just want to say one thing, Isaiah. I know, like, no one needs to defend you. Like, the Lord is your vindicator, one hundred percent. But I, I do get like a defensiveness because, like Taylor said, you're like a spiritual brother, and it's. I just want to say for anyone watching, like whoever it is that you think you see online, like he is the most down to earth, humble, grounded man of God, like that I've met. He is so solid in the, in the word. He's so solid in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And it on it, it, it's like a righteous anger that I feel when people like come after him because it, it's so unjustified. And so I just want to speak that life into you, Isaiah, that, that like you really touch people and what you are doing is biblical and it is holy. And the the way that you raise your girls, it's like so evident that they they know who Jesus is. And I and I just mm. pray that me and my husband will emulate that same discipleship in our little baby girl, Selah, as you two do, as you and your wife do in your four girls. So thank, thank you, you so for just much. everything. That means a lot. Thank you so much, Angela. What yeah, nice stuff do you I have agree, to say about me? I agree. No, I'm just Isaiah. <laughs> thank you so much. Isaiah, you're definitely a huge inspiration. And as, you know, traveling with Pastor Vlad and seeing you behind. Oh, we're losing Everett. Yeah. We're losing him. Hold what on. the heck is Go going on here? Say it again, brother. I'm right here. But no, no, as, as I've traveled with Pastor Vlad and seen and, and interacted with you behind the scenes, I can testify that you are a humble, honest, genuine guy. Like you are the same dude in person as you are on the streams. Like I talk you are the fast. same dude. You are just so yeah. You are just so real, man. And you're you're you actually genuinely love the Lord, not mm -hmm. love the ministry. You love the Lord, and the ministry comes naturally because of your love for the Lord. You're on a mission. You're a soldier in Christ. You're a huge inspiration. You build people up, and you're a huge inspiration, man. It's incredible to to see, and uh, I'm really blessed to to be a receiver of of your you pouring in and you inspiring you, and bro. you building. Thank you, bro. It means a lot. It really does mean a lot. All you guys saying that it's, it's easy what, what we're all doing to get discouraged, to look at members go up and go down and to look at comments and they're positive and negative and it's easy to get discouraged, but just having friends like you guys and having a community, it's just such a blessing that keeps me grounded and motivated and hungry to keep preaching the word. And I love seeing God raise up you guys. I love seeing God exalt and lift up. And the Bible says, if you humble yourself, he will exalt you. But if you exalt yourself, he will humble you. So just let's all keep letting Jesus be the focus. Let's all keep letting God promote us. Let's all keep letting God open the doors. And there's no limit to what God's going to do. So I love and appreciate you guys. I'm going to do a little after show for those that want to give. But I'll talk to all of you soon. And I'll be sending you guys something tonight. Thank you. All right. Love you guys. God bless. God bless. See ya. All right, guys. What an amazing show. Listen, here's the deal.
I'm not even going to apologize for this. I want to sow into them. I want to sow into what God is doing in their ministries. So help me tonight sow into the broadcast. If you are blessed, if this is content where you're like, I want my kids to see this. I want my kids to be exposed to this. I, I listen to them talk and I go, man, I want my teenage daughters. My daughters aren't teenagers, but when they are, if they get sucked into any of this new age garbage, I want preachers like this to be preaching to them. So sow into the word of to the word that's gone forth. Sow into what God is doing. The Bible says if an ox is working the field, he's worthy of eating from that field. Paul said, if I sow into you physically, should I not reap? If I sow into you spiritually, should I not reap physically? So I have no problem with asking you guys to partner and give. This has all been free. We've been live for two hours and 10 minutes. Free 99. If you can't afford to give, don't apologize. But I want to challenge you guys to give. If you're listening on Spotify, IsaiahSeldivar.com slash partner. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.